Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. We've sensed it. We've seen the signs. Now it's podcasting. Ooh. Okay, now there are two it's things. It's from the poster. They're, right, there are two things to scoff at there. The awful, like, shoehorned wordplay. Right, I did a bad job. But you know who did <laughs> an even worse job? <laughs> Whoever movie. wrote the tagline for that movie. We sensed it. Yeah, we get it. The guy made the fucking sixth sense. We've seen the signs. Yeah, we get it. The guy made the fucking signs. I, I don't think now it's everybody happening. gets it. <laughs> Especially when they sensed it. It's a little muddled. He's also, as always, right above the title from writer-director M. Night Shyamalan. I'm David Sims. I'm Griffin Newman. <laughs> Welcome to... Blank check, podcast, pod night. <laughs> Welcome to blank check podcast. Welcome to the blank check podcast presents pod. Oh my god! Night Shamacast. Yes, welcome. Uh, this is a podcast. We talk about M Night Shyamalan right now. Other times we talk about other goofballs. Yeah. Right now we're talking about M Night Shyamalan. We like directors. We yes, we like directors, and we're talking about M Night. And we're on to his eighth movie. This is his eighth film. He's yeah. given a blank check. This he can keep making whatever he wants. Um, who else is in the studio with us today? Well, of course, our trusty producer, mm-hmm. a.k.a. our producer. Yeah. The Ben Deucer. Yeah. Hey, guys. Ben Hosley, the yeah. Haas, Poet yeah. Laureate, the tiebreaker, Birthday Benny, mm-hmm. Mr. Positive. He is not Professor Crispy. No. No. He Carry is on. the peeper. Yeah. Oof. Of course. Boy, is he. I mean, he's nothing if not the peeper. <laughs> Uh, he, uh, has been known by Kylo Ben. He has gone by producer Ben Kenobi. And if you see him on the street, greet him a hearty hello fennel. All right. Please do. All right. Yeah. And in this studio as well is nobody else. Nobody else. Yeah. So here's the first piece of housekeeping. I last week promised James Urbaniak. Right. The great actor, beloved figure of the, uh, indie, uh, film world. Yeah. You, uh, uh you rashly said like, eh, it's probably fine. You don't need to cut that out. Uh, I had talked to him earlier. I did not uh, cut it out, by the in way. The I know. Season. Oh, I listened. Uh, he is a buddy of mine. Earlier in the season, I've been like, we're doing this. He was going to be in New York. No, no, of course. Season two of Difficult People for like months, for like yeah, two no months. Yeah, no beef James. James was here. James He was ready. Him. Yeah. And I was like, great. Well, do you want to do any of these movies? And he went, I find the happening interesting. And I went, great. Let's lock it in. I'll text you again in a couple weeks. Right. And then I texted him the day after we recorded our episode, and I was like, we're ready for the happening. And he was like, I flew back to L.A. yesterday. Bye, James. <laughs> so should have recorded that one in advance. That one was on me. Boing. Hoisted by my own petard. All right. Well, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We don't really care. This is uh, to-, to I mean, uh, obviously, I'd love to see, have James on the podcast. We will have it'll him be all right. I will it'll promise right. that. Yeah, we'll Because have nothing wrong has come me making James Urbaniak promises on this podcast. We will have him on in the Great. future. But- Today it's just a solo. It's a solo. And by bolo. solo, three people in the studio. That's it's what a tri- we mean. It's a tri- it's it's a three way. It's a triangle. It's a podcast mm-hmm. triangle. Um, it's like the old days. Yeah, feels good. Yeah, I I was kind of I was looking for a little bit of the old days, guys. I gotta I gotta be honest. I I've had a uh, stressful couple of weeks, and and this is like the first day I've had a clear conscience for a <sighs> while. It's a nice relaxed. So it's day. like a nice calm, like uh, you know, my life's together. I just get in the be in the room with my my. The two friends, and then and then the, our producer. <laughs> right. We are the two friends. Yes, and, and then he the, is our friend, but he right. is not the two friends. Yeah. No, no, a member of no. the two. I friends. I mean, Ben's a great friend of ours, but he's not one.
one of the two friends. Let's let's just you know create a clear Rio Grande line here. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, but that's Ben, fine. Ben, I'm yeah. going to give you a spotlight here because what's up? I don't know about David. I don't have any updates, but you might have something to report in a new segment we like to call. Doing this the now, burger I guess. report. God. The burger report. Uh, the burger report. I'm trying to think of if I've eaten. I did eat a burger with past guest Sonia Soraya. Hey, that counts. Uh, so we had a burger. I had a burger at Mayfield. She didn't have a burger. She had a different item oh, of food. But okay. I had a burger. Uh, it was brunch. I mean, it's. Oh, sounds... you're saying this doesn't qualify? Oh, I believe the parameters of the burger report are telling stories oh, about that watching I saw somebody a celebrity see a, eat a burger. You have to watch a celebrity eat a burger. Now, mm. I would count Sonia as a celebrity, but if she wasn't eating a burger, it sounds like you're reporting well, she on. She was eating a bagel. Blank check host David Sims eating a burger. Now, no. we, if we went to get burgers together, we could report on each other. Okay. Sure. I think that falls under the rules. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. I'm trying to think if. I don't think I don't think there's been any other burgers. So I don't think I ate there a burger you go. this week. I gotta go back to a burger restaurant. Now Ben, of course, used yeah. to work at the old, old homestead. Yeah, do you have an old burger story for us, Ben? Uh yeah. I oh. um they're they're all brothers in Kings of Leon, or it's like three brothers yeah, and the, a the, cousin. Those, those bearded yeah. folk. Yes. I don't remember which one it is. I it's the it's the good looking one, but they're mm. also all kind of good looking, yeah. so it's hard to actually My know. My high school girlfriend had a big crush on that guy. That's how long they've been around for. They've been around. So uh, I don't recall. Let's just say it was Caleb. Okay. I think Caleb is the number one. He's like the he's front the man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he, you saw him? He came in with his supermodel girlfriend. Into the spotted pig. I believe pig. he's married to her now. Oh, okay. So this would be Caleb. Yeah. This was, yeah, a little while yeah. back. Lily Aldridge yes. is who he's married to. Yes. She was, they're really lovely, uh, gorgeous people. Uh-huh. They came in for brunch. And they were so nice and chatted me up and were like asking me all kinds of questions about oh, comedy and stuff. Oh my god! Where, and there I was early go. on into me working there, and I was actually like, "You were like, is this what all celebrities are like?" Kind of. Yeah, it was oh, like my first nice. like yeah. VIP, where they were like super chill and made eye contact with me, and you know, asked me questions and remembered my name. So right, that, yeah, they were lovely people. I love the burger report. Look at these nice things that come out of the burger report. Yeah. Well, I haven't eaten any burgers this week. I make a, a, a solemn vow to our listeners that I will start uh, eating as many uh, burgers as I can on a week-per-week basis to, you know, just just increase my likelihood of seeing a celeb, a famo. And I guess we should even put it out to our listeners. If you guys have burger reports, yes. please send yes. them in. Yeah, what I is it, 555 Burger? 555 Burger, oh, uh, right. which is yeah. Ben's cell phone number. That's our 24-hour hotline. It's just it, completely coincidental that his cell phone number has always been 555 Burger. That's why they hired him at the old homestead. They were like, this guy lives and breathes burgers. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you are a past guest of Blank Check, a listener, a blankie, a hot tweet, hog. Tweet at Blank Check Pod. Uh, a, a David Dog, a Griff Head. David Dog? Anyway. That's please. what, on iTunes, four different people in reviews have identified as David Dogs. All right, all right. David Dogs. Them. My David Dogs. Haas Hogs, Blankies, and Griff Heads. Um, blank Check Pod. Yeah. Tweet at us. Blank uh, Check any burger Pod story you at, at gmail.com. Yep. Is a pod or podcast? Oh, oh, the the email address? Yes. I believe it's blankcheckpodcast at, yeah. e- at gmail.com. Gmail at email.com. At email.com. At example.com. We're email at gmail.com. <laughs> We're AOL at yahoo.com. Great. Yes. Um, blankcheckpodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us. Uh, you could tweet at any three of us uh, individually. Just if you got a burger report, let us know and we'll read them off. We want to. This is a democratic segment, the burger oh, yeah. report. Um, there's a movie we have to talk about today. Okay. Yeah. This is happening. Gentlemen, we're talking about The Happening. It's the eighth film by M. Night Shyamalan. His first film at 20th Century Fox. So just to recount, Praying with Anger, his student film. Sure. He makes Wide Awake. 
for Miramax, That's which right. is a subsidiary of Disney. Yes, at the time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He goes up to Touchstone. Uh, he makes four consecutive Touchstone pictures. The Sixth Sense. Uh, Unbreakable signs the village. The village. The yeah. Le Village. Uh, Nina Jacobson goes, hey, M. Night, I don't get this new script you sent me. He goes, fuck you. Yeah, he, he, yeah, two fingers to the air. Runs away to Warner Brothers, makes The Lady in the Water. Warner Brothers was like, hey, in retrospect, we don't really get this script he wrote. He ships his new script around. Um, it's a hot, it's a hot item. Yeah, I believe it was called The Green Effect yes. when he wrote this script. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, a spec script. He, he shopped it around. He didn't get any offer he was interested in, so he rewrote it. And uh, took it around again. I don't know if you knew that. I did know that. And what I find interesting is, I'm trying to remember what site it was. It might have been Ain't It Cool at the time. But I remember reading a review from someone who had read The Green Effect and said, like, this script just got passed by all the major studios. I think it's great. I don't mm. know what they're doing. Sure. And then six months later, it was like, new draft, new pass, new title. Fox picked it up. Right. And that movie was not great. Yeah, but do we know? I mean, ain't it, I don't know. Ain't it I don't cool know. Script reviews come. On. I don't know, but I remember reading his description of the Green Effect and going, "Ooh, that's a cool idea for a movie." Which, if you hear it in the abstract, you go, "That's a cool idea for a movie." Let's get out with it. The idea for this movie is the plants are making people kill themselves. Uh, yeah. I mean, but uh, one other thing we should mention. Yes. This movie was produced by Fox, but half of its budget was funded by an Indian film company called UTV. And uh, they handled overseas. So I think Fox took it at, like, pretty limited uh-huh. financial risk. Do you have the budget of this film? $48 million. Okay, pretty trim for M. Night. For M. Night, pretty trim, although not a lot happens in this movie. Like, no. you know. But I'm saying not a lot happens in Lady in the really Water. Don't even really need sets. But Lady in the Water, he built the, the apartment complex. No, I understand that Lady in the Water, maybe he could have cut some costs. I get it. I know what you're saying. He, yeah. he is scaling back a little. And Wahlberg is big, not as big as he is today. Maybe not a $20 million guy, but probably was at least a 10. A 10 guy at this point in time. I don't know. Where, where's Wahlberg at? He He's pretty famous. Post-Oscar nomination. He gets nominated in 2006, and this is 2008. It's a post-Oscar nomination. So this is hot off of his Departed Best Supporting Actor nomination. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else he had done right around that time. Uh, Shooter, I think, was the first film released after the Oscar <sighs> yeah, nomination. Yeah, I saw Shooter in theaters. Shooter's one of the worst films of, of the last 10 years. Uh, being made into a television series now. It's very strange. Have you seen I, Shooter? No, but the people There's demanded. People wanted this Glover TV show and so I believe Ned, Ned Beatty? I forget who the other I villain. believe Ned Beatty's in it. Yeah, Danny Glover and Ned Beatty just like have drinks around a fire. They're the villains. They're uh-huh. like toasting their successful evil enterprise, and they're like, ah, ha, 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 ha. that happens in that movie. Uh, Kate Mara. Then they all get shot with guns. Kate Mara plays his girlfriend Shooter. in that. Yeah, and I believe um, just a year or two earlier, she played uh, Heath Ledger's she daughter. Was one year ago, she had been in Heath Ledger's daughter in Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, um, but remember old Heath Ledger. Remember. I know. He's dead by the time but she shows up. Do you know, Spoiler Do you know how old Kate Mara was when they filmed Shooter? Uh, I don't know. 22. Yeah, I believe so. And Mark Wahlberg was uh, late 30s. Um, okay, so he- I did not win the Hamilton lottery. FYI. Oh, you just checked? Bam. No, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry. Did I uh, tell you my Hamilton story? Uh, that you bought- Tickets for your whole family, but forgot to buy one for yourself on my birthday. You're like, why did you do that? Are you a fucking idiot? I could tell you, you have five people in your family. Well, no, that's uh, you're you're framing the story in a way that makes me look stupid rather than unlucky. Okay, I, I, are you unlucky? I thought I had five tickets and end up only being four. I thought I was going to have four seats and one standing room ticket, but it was two separate requests. Uh, 
I see. So you were calling in a favor to get these tickets. Called in a big favor. Who is the? F- who'd you call? I I Who have you know? I have uh, my my castmate on the television series vinyl. Oh, Ephraim I know. Sykes is on the ensemble of Hamilton. That is pretty cool. It's very cool. He's a great Can guy. Can he get me a ticket? Absolutely not. How dare you ask? Wait, on wait, on wait, the wait, podcast? Wait, wait. Right, hold on, hold on. What kind of precedent are you setting, but, David? We're on a podcast. But can he get me a ticket? Yeah, of course, Ben. Uh, I'd, cool. yeah, I'd really... I'll hook you up. Don't worry. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I'd really uh, love to see Hamilton uh-huh. on Broadway. Well, so, I'll let you know how it is. My birthday, my 30th birthday is coming up. Just putting that out there. Um, I'll I'll give you, you want my tip for how to uh, go see Hamilton? Is it to enter the Hamilton lottery? Become good, true friends with Ephraim Sykes. <laughs> I'm good, true friends with you, yep. as we are the two friends. We are. That's true. So you could just uh, maybe, you know. I don't know. I don't know. You, you I, could be like, all right, buddy. You got me the four tickets. Yeah. I was supposed to get a fifth ticket. My pal David Sims is interested in seeing him. Standing room. Yeah. No, it was two separate I'd requests stand. I had to put in. Yeah. Yes, yeah, good. I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, my family like all went to go see Hamilton without me on my birthday. Yeah, I know. And then you texted though. me and Ben being like, I'm having impromptu birthday drinks, <laughs> like, yep. on the day of your birthday. Yep. Yeah. We didn't come. Or I didn't come. Maybe Ben came. Oh, okay. oh yeah, Ben yeah, came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why Ben got tickets for Hamilton. That's the only thing I left out. Anyone who showed up to the bar got a ticket to Hamilton. Oh, yeah. He was giving them just I out was, to I was a little busy because, you know, it was like the day. Anyway, we are off track. I texted you like two it. hours before. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't get standing room for that night, but he gave me 45 standing room tickets for the next two weeks. So I handed <laughs> one to everyone who showed up to the bar on my birthday. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, ben right now is fanning himself in this unventilated recording really, studio. really, warm in With here. Hamilton ticks. Um, yeah. The, the box office. This film comes out oh, you want June me to the box 2008, office. right? I believe it opens to... Yeah, so we should note that uh, his previous two films, The Village, had done well, but maybe a little less well. Yes. And, his, and then Lady in the Water was a bomb. Big bomb. Um, uh, opens at 17, ended up, I believe, at 41. Now, the big marketing hook to this film was that M. Night's going R. Yeah, so, I mean, let's, no, let's, yeah, let's, before we get to the box office, yeah. right. He'd made Lady in the Water. Yeah. It, it veered away from twists. It veered away from, like, t- tension, right? Suspense. From suspense. Yeah. Was and he made kind of a, of a weird movie. fable. It was yeah. kind of a really bad family movie because yeah. uh, it still had, like, violence. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> Murder. Yeah, but kids hate Bob Ballard. And naked so there women. Was, yeah. I mean, uh, anyway, so, yeah. So this was him. Clearly, M. Night's always been a really reactive guy. Yep. He's really concerned about, like, I have to, you know, like, success really is important to him. Well, people talk about like the one for me, one for them kind of equation that some directors have where it's like I, I do a studio film and then I get the cachet to make one of mine. I think M. Night does uh, one for me and then please, please, please like me again. Right. It's not even one, to, one right. for them. Right. right. He gets in this thing where he like does what he thinks people wants to see. Yeah. And so yeah. what's he thinking here is, uh, you know, what I've never done is like a more violent film, mm-hmm. like an R-rated film. It's not, like, it's not like he's saying like, I know what you guys want is uh, sex. Like, you know, right. I mean, it's only violence. Right. So because- horror movies, most popular horror films are rated R. I make horror films. All right. my horror films have been PG-13. Now, what if I added this to the equation? That the Sixth Sense is PG-13 is pretty crazy. That, that should be an R-rated film. A lot of blood. In England, that film is rated 15, which mm-hmm. is a rating usually afforded to an R sure. film. Sure. Uh, uh, but then, yeah, Unbreakable and Signs, the violence is mostly implied. Yeah, pretty chaste. Pretty chaste films. And then, and yeah. the same with The Village. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so yeah, he had always been kind of like a tell, don't show, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you say it. Like, he didn't, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the- Not a gory guy. Well, that's the thing. In retrospect, it's like- R-rated M. Night Shyamalan doesn't make that much sense. No. But, but at the time, everyone was like, ooh, R-rated M. Right, Night Shyamalan. he's master of terror. Yeah. Like, great. 
Oh, blood. Um, yeah. yeah, but like I think I think you're correct. Like that was a mistake. Yes. The idea that violence was the answer. Yep. Violence is never the answer. Uh, certainly wasn't here. No. Uh, so I guess we'll we can talk about the box office prospects before we get into the movie. Well, I just want to talk advertising campaign. So the, I read the yeah, tagline for the poster, which was stupid. R-rated. It was like in red right. text. Well, yeah. and they put the R, like the rating box was bright red. Yes, so the there rest it is. of the text on the poster was white. They wanted the R to really the stick poster, out. Poster in typical Shyamalan fashion, no movie stars, like you know, just his face is invisible, but they do have Wahlberg's name above the title. They do for the first time in a while. But M Knight's name is the top of the poster. Do they think that consumers are going to give a shit that it's the first <laughs> R-rated movie? They did. I think it worked, Did honestly. that really work? That's I think so the backlash was pretty swift, but opening weekend for this film, I believe, was like 37? Is that correct? Yeah. 30 million. Not, 30? Not great. Okay. It opened I'm, number three. Behind The Incredible Hulk? Correct. Was also number one? opening weekend, that's correct. I saw these two movies back-to-back opening night, the AMC 25. I saw The Incredible Hulk at Union Square and the air conditioning broke. And I did not see the happening. I was not interested. Okay, number two at the box office. So it's 2008. Uh, in my opinion, a better film than both both of the, the others. Kung Fu Panda? Correct. Really? Yes. Did I nail it? Okay. A very nice movie. Number yeah. four, one of, what my, can I guess? one of my favorite comedies by this actor. 2008, it's one of your favorite comedies by this actor. You don't mess with the Zohan. Correct. Really? Yes. Are oh. you kidding me? Yes. Possibly my favorite Adam Sandler comedy. And I agree with that as well. Yeah. Okay, and number five. Number five, a film that you're not going to guess from this unless you remember this story. Uh, I saw very soon after moving to New York, because uh-huh. I moved to New York in 2008, Yeah, and I obviously wanted to see this film. I bought a ticket, and it was a packed theater, and a man came in, sat next to me. Before the movie started, he pulled his hat over his head, <laughs> fell asleep, <laughs> slept through the whole long movie. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Bingo! Really? I nailed all five. You got all that five. That's amazing. That, that's actually. unprecedented. That I've really gotten them Have all you, do you wrong every story? other week. Yeah, you should get them wrong. No, I was just thinking about the time and the place. I was placing yeah. myself oh, in wait. that moment. Oh wait. And I remember, I remember seeing Kung Fu Panda. I thought Kung Fu Panda was going to bomb. The movie was better than they advertised it as being because the that is true because they advertised it as like Jack jokes. Black, Fat Panda, right, that Skadoosh. Was it. Right. Yeah. And it was like pretty well done. Um, no, that's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, the uh, I remember seeing an ad that was just like, like, hey, remember, turn off your cell phones. And then he like farted and then he fucked a lady with his belly or whatever fat thing he did. You know, <laughs> he didn't do he that. stuck his belly in a pussy. I swear to God, it happened. But it was like an AMC like turn yeah. off your cell phones. AMC was like, here's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, DreamWorks. Yeah. Um, but I saw that opening night of the happening Crystal Skull. Oh, you saw Crystal Skull. So Kung Fu Panda was about to come out. Yeah, Crystal Skull had been out for four weeks at this point. Right. And I saw that opening that Crystal Skull and everyone lost it. And I turned to my friend and I went, I guess Kung Fu Panda's going to be the hit? Yeah. And then when I saw it, I was like, okay, cool, it's good. Well, the thing about Kung Fu Panda is that it's actually like a weirdly like small scale, clever film. Like, I don't know. It's like an origin movie that works. I I could talk about Kung Fu Panda. It's beautiful. I'll tell you, I, the other reason I think I did so well on this, I got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, my, my good friend, uh, Stephen Kelly, uh, who uh, went to school in Scotland, he was back that summer. I hadn't so seen him in a while, movies. so I saw four of those five films with him. So I remember that chunk of, like, he was just back home, and we were like, let's go see a lot of movies. So we went to see Zohan, Kung Fu Panda. Uh, we did that as a double feature, and then yeah. we did A Different Night, uh, Hulk, and Happening as a double feature. Shout out to Steek. Uh, some of the other movies of that year, you got Sex in the City, which was a huge, huge hit. 70 uh, mil opening week. Iron Man, obviously, which had launched the Marvel Universe. Haven't that heard now of controls it. I don't think our I lives. Who was in that? 
Uh, Jeff Bridges. Uh, the Strangers, one of the best horror movies of the Agreed. last 10 years. Great movie. Wally uh, comes out a couple weeks later, which is maybe yeah, my favorite Wally's film of that decade. Uh, uh, decent movie. Uh, Chronicles a of Narnia, Prince Caspian, which oh, I yeah. believe is the second Narnia yeah. film. Yeah. Real bummer, that one. Uh, what Happens in Vegas, uh, Baby Mama, uh-huh. uh, and uh, a touching Tom McCarthy drama, The Visitor. Oh, I don't like The Visitor. Yeah, it's okay. I'll say it's my least favorite Tom McCarthy film. That's, that's a crazy thing to say. And I've seen Le Cobbler. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, back to The Happening. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So The Happening, it's R-rated. Mm-hmm. R. It's got Mark Wahlberg, who is a movie star. Wahlberg. Not like a top-tier movie star, but he's a movie star. He was in the transitionary period right now because he had sort of been like a B-level guy, right? He had been a B-level guy who made movies like Rockstar. This right. is like pre-Ted. Yes. This is pre-Ted. Ted pushed him into the stratosphere. Yeah, he was a guy the strat who, Ted sphere. He was a guy who made <laughs> R-rated action movies yeah. that grossed fine, like Max Payne or right. Shooter or uh, Two Guns. That well, came. Wahlberg's going to open to fifteen. He's going to end up between like forty and. It was 50. A, a reliable but not particularly exciting box office bet. And I think Planet of the Apes had been his shot to be like a huge leading man. That movie he bombed. Everyone didn't hated bomb. it. That movie. Well, was it, a huge everyone hit. hated it. You're right. Yes. Yeah, but it was. It was. Yeah, that's it, the thing. That movie didn't bomb at all. It was like a massive success. That's I believe the that movie that is movie. the most successful movie to not get a sequel. I read some stat like that. Yeah, that's probably in true. terms of just raw gross numbers. Um, cause then they just lay the franchise dormant for 10 years, then reboot it, uh, perfectly. Um, uh, anyway, uh, Wahlberg's in this weird period, uh, and people are kind of like, yeah, he's not a good actor, but he's kind of fun. Like, Wahlberg movies are, like, cap- trashy, campy, like, for what they are, right? They mix The Departed, and he fucking pops in this cast. I mean, he's wonderful in The Departed. But in this murderer's row, you yeah. know? I mean, the, he got an Oscar nomination over Jack Nicholson remains one of the craziest Oscar surprises. Like of recent memory. Well, and here's the crazy thing. Like, as still happens to this day, he deserved it. Oh, a hundred percent. But uh, the supporting categories can often be a little fraudy because it's like, oh, whoever wins supporting actress is usually the lead female of that movie. In a movie where the lead character number one is a man, they give the second lead who is female Wait, supporting. We're actress. going down a crazy garden path. What are you? And talking supporting about? actor is usually the second lead of the movie. Is oh, the villain sure. But or whatever Wahlberg is. is a genuine supporting small character. Part. Yeah, 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 he's yeah, probably yeah. got fifteen minutes of screen time yeah. in the movie. Yeah, but every he's time he shows funny. up, you're yeah. just like, Jesus Christ, this fucking guy's so good, and he's not playing a cancer patient. No, but do you, he doesn't the, have any big do you, emotional. The beat. other thing is that movie. He was so good in that movie that they immediately started being like, let's make a Departed two about Wahlberg's yeah. character. Remember that was like a literal because like everybody dies in the Departed. Yeah, but they were like, you know. You know what? Departed to Wahlberg. But I'll tell you something. Inside yeah, they scoop. They about it, Benny. Inside. Preposterous. Inside, well, it sorry. didn't happen. Yeah. Inside scoop. I mean, it's the same way he keeps saying he's going to make a fight or two. But anyway, go on. I worked on a television series called Vinyl that is currently airing Sunday nights on HBO. Sure. Created oh. by Martin Scorsese. Who directed the pilot people. episode. Yeah. And then there's the guy who's in the band. Mick oh, Mickey. Mick oh, yeah. Jagger. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Mickey Christ, J. Did ben. you meet Mick Jagger? I didn't. Uh-huh. But I did have a couple talks with good old Marty S., and he was talking to me about how Warner Brothers, uh, I, I, I don't care who it's, I'll say this, whatever. All right. He said, like, Warner Brothers really didn't like The Departed. Well, I could see that. It was, I mean, but it was a huge hit. But, like, sure, it's a weird movie. But they, like, screened it, and he, they were like, I don't know what we're going to do about this thing. And he was like, he said that he, like, felt proud of it. Like, he thought it was good. And Warner Brothers was like, well, what are you going to do? You, like, I don't know. I mean, it's like the, a bummer. All the heroes die. The Departed is a crazy movie. Yes. It, not only in that it's quite tragic for its characters, yeah. but like it jumps around in weird ways. It's like really jarring. Yeah. Whole plot developments happen like 
and are not mentioned. And it's it's, it's so good. It's I very texture focused, you know, in a way like not sort of plot focused. It is a crazy movie considering yeah. the movie it is a remake of, which had only come out like five years before. It was pretty straight down the middle. Is a very controlled, Clean, excellent yeah. thriller, yeah. not like that movie at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I saw other people worked on it who said at the time they were like, there's no way this movie's going to cut together. It's like insanity. Um, but he said like, yeah, Warner Brothers never liked the movie. And I was like, well, I'm sure that changed after it came out and made a ton of money and won Best Picture. And he was like, nope. Nope. They still were just like, yeah, I don't get it. I'm surprised <laughs> that people idiots. liked it that much. And then they were like, someone else in the group was like, I'm surprised he never tried to make a sequel. And he was like, oh, oh, he said the reason they didn't like it after the, ca- after the fact, after it did well was they were like, well, but it's no good to us because you can't make a sequel because all the characters died. Sure. So they were like unhappy when they saw it. And then when it did well, they were like, yeah, but now we can't make another one. Get over it, Warner Brothers. Agreed. Come on. But so he said our solution was, well, let's write a movie about Wahlberg. He just got the Oscar yeah, nomination. let's do a Wahlberg movie. Let's sure. do a Wahlberg movie. It'll be him going to Washington and trying to take over the corruption in Washington. Okay. It goes up the ranks. Okay. And, and he was like, we wrote that script and we brought it to Warner Brothers. And they were like, you can't, can't put a movie on Wahlberg's shoulders. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's never happened. Yeah, that's... they were like, Wahlberg can't carry it. Well, I mean, if nothing else, this proves something we should probably talk about more on this podcast. Well, the studios are really stupid. Yeah, <laughs> studio, stupid studios stuff. are dumb. Yeah. Now, let's get on to Mark Wahlberg, because I think this is an important guy to put front and center in our talk of the happening, right? Uh, he's getting hot at this moment. He had made the party, got the Oscar nomination. Warner Brothers thought he wasn't big enough to carry the film, but he's starting to do, like, this is now, he's getting genre but a little more highbrow genre. And within, like, six or seven years, he's reinvented himself as one of our absolute top movie stars he's a guy who does oscar films he does fucking comedies he does family movies he does big like fucking sci-fi franchises he does everything yeah he had been around for a while but in Uh, the last like six years i'd say he moved into a different stratosphere yeah what is the movie is it is it the departed or is it ted or is it the fighter it might be the fighter I think the two back-to-back that do a lot for him, weirdly, oh, are... the other guys. I yeah. think the other guys opens him up a lot more. Because yeah. it was like he became self-aware. Well, the thing about him was he had always been this actor who worked was great in movies directed by great directors. Yep. And that, I mean, I guess that's still basically true. But, like, Boogie Nights, obviously. Yeah. And then the David O. Russell movies. I Heart Huckabees and The Fighter. Three Kings. And Three Kings. Yeah, he's great in all three. And we're just like, we were always like, See, yeah, this guy's definitely got it. Yeah. But then he would also make... Whatever, I don't know. Fucking the truth about Charlie. Like, there, there's no question. You know what's kind of good, though, is the Italian job. Yeah. 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 He well, had made a bunch of good movies. He'd made some good because, movies. Because, you know, the James Gray movies are good, too. The Yards and We Own well, the Night. That's another great director yeah. who understands him. I yeah. think it's less about great directors because Jonathan Demme directed Truth About Charlie, who is a great director that's not a good yeah, movie. That, that was, you know what else Jonathan Demme did? He wrote The Truth About Charlie, Ugh. and he doesn't write movies. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know what was going on. I also on think that, that film is like a fatal miscasting of him. Where I think yeah. the reason why Mark Wahlberg started opening up was he started realizing he became super self-aware of who he was, right? And like, this is Mark Wahlberg. This is how Mark Wahlberg works. This is what people like about Mark Wahlberg. This is what people find funny about Mark Wahlberg. And he like took all the things that people used to mock him for and started owning them, playing into them, and working within but his parameters. this is all after the happening. This is all after the happening. Because and I think the happening is the one that shifts it all well, in let's a way. Surrender. No, it's not the happening that shifts it. Shifts it. I think it is 100% Mark Wahlberg talks to animals that shifts it, if you remember, which had come out right around the same time as the happening, maybe a little before. But can I throw something to you? Go ahead. I think Mark Wahlberg talks to animals is almost a direct parody of his performance in the happening. No, but I think it's before. I'm pretty sure it's before. Uh, I'm looking it up. I, th- I looked this up. 
Nope. I'm wrong. It's after. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, of course. Yes, when I mean, the Palin stuff was happening. Yeah, Those two moments it's together. It's 2008. It's right. uh, October 2008. So Happens it's right after. a big fall on his face. And then everyone's laughing at him. And he, like, does a Will Ferrell comedy and goes, like, I get it. I get what's weird and funny about me. Right. And then does, like, better action movies. And then does Ted. Like, he just starts, like, fucking steamrolling. And now he's, like, the head of the Transformers franchise and all these things. But he is a guy who, like, there's no question he's a movie star. Right? The guy's just innately watchable. He's got a lot of presence. Yeah. Right? There's can, something interesting yeah. about him in this old movie star way where he's got a face and a voice. Anyone you can do an impression of in that way is distinct enough that they're engaging to watch. Whether it's because they're good or they're bad, you know? Like, anyone who has a whole vibe that you could impersonate has some star quality that just needs to be placed in the right context and, and you know, utilized properly. Yeah. Um, but he can still be really bad. Like, he's pretty bad in Transformers 4. Agreed. But I think it, that is a terrible part for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In that it's barely a part, and the the bare, like, scraps well, of characterization on the side of it don't... Once again, he's playing like a fucking scientist. I'm sh- Well, I'm sure you've seen his quote about the happening. Let's re- refocus on yeah. the happening, right? You ha- Have you seen it? I'm to be trivia, I believe. Well, I've got it. Yeah, I've got okay. It. He was doing uh, press for the fighter. He was doing press for the fighter. Yeah. And he yeah. noted that Amy Adams had almost played his wife in The Happening. Oh, Would have made more sense than Zoe Deschanel. Weird couple. Uh, and he said she had dodged a bullet by not being in the movie. Uh-huh. And he said, then said, it was a really bad movie. I can't do Wahlberg. Didn't he like also though fuck say it. ah fuck it? Yeah, no, there we go. it was, it was what ba- it was. It was a bad fucking, movie. Fucking, fucking trees, man. Fucking trees, man. I don't the know. The plants. <laughs> fuck the plants. It. The plants. Fuck it. You can't blame me for want not wanting to try and play a science teacher. At least I wasn't playing a cop or a crook. You can't blame me for wanting to try to play a science teacher. Right. At least I wasn't a cop or a crook. And then like yes, okay, Mark, you've played a bunch of cops yeah. and crooks. Yeah, you've done that, but you've also. I don't know. He was in like Three Kings. He was in The Perfect Storm. He's been. He's he's had some roles. He played a firefighter and I heard firefighter. He played a football player in Invincible. Yeah, he played a rock star in Rockstar. Played a stalker. Oh yeah, in Fear. Oh, in Fear, way back when he played someone who fingers uh, Reese Witherspoon on a Ferris wheel. Well, I consider him more of a fingerer than a stalker, but you know, he played a porn star, of course. Yes. Yeah, a fucker. Uh, Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I, I I don't know what his complaint is because it's like. Yeah, you're a leading man. Like leading men tend to play these sorts of like you know gun gun wielding types. Like you know. Yeah. Uh, but apparently he really wanted to play a science teacher, and in the happening, or I mean, like he was into the idea of playing like a non-violent man. I guess. Now here's the craziest part, right? Bad casting choice, but he was hot at this moment when someone's casting. I mean, a, a disastrous, catastrophic casting decision. When someone's hot like that, Hollywood just tries to plug them into stuff, and I they just so, oh, he's hot. We like him. He just got the Oscar nomination. What are things no, we can make Shyamalan into Mark Wahlberg? Is a good project? caster, usually, usually. And like, why didn't he see this coming? That like, this is a role that requires someone to basically yelp all the time. Yeah, and like talk about the worst match for Mark Wahlberg. IMDb trivia fact number three: M Night Shyamalan wrote the screenplay with Mark Wahlberg in mind for the lead role. Well, what? That doesn't make any sense. Maybe it he felt just like studio Mark pressure. Wahlberg. We all. Mark Wahlberg, but we like him when we like him, where we like him, where he belongs. And we've realized now there are a couple different boxes he belongs in, but science teacher is not one of them. In the same way that do-it-yourself fucking inventor, right, well, Texas inventor in the Transformers well, franchise is another box. His character's name is Cade Yeager, we're and not he's talking a good about old Texas boy we're talking who about, invents things. All right, we're talking about the happening. Happening. Okay, we're talking we're about talking the happening. His character is Elliot Moore, a Philadelphia high school science teacher. Who's a bit of a prankster, as we see in his one scene. He likes fucking with his students. 
Okay, can we talk about the first six minutes of this movie? Because I think the first six minutes are kind of perfect. Uh, the, the sort of Central Park scene? We see clouds moving quickly. We hear James Horner score. Uh, not James, James Newton it, Howard. It's Newton Howard, yeah. His usual guy. And Tak Fujimoto, who had made, uh, who shot the Sixth Sense for him and who had shot uh, Signs. Yes, uh, shot those He's two. back. He's back, baby. Uh, back in tack. Ooh, AC just came on. Yeah. AC. Uh, James Newton Howard's running yeah, those no, strings. Not his most interesting score for Shyamalan. No, and I think it's actually a bit of a mismatch. But the opening credits are exciting enough, right? And then we go to Central Park. And there are yeah. two ladies sitting there, and one of them goes, oh, I forgot where I was. And she goes, you're on page 72, the part where the guy reads the thing. So w- one thing we should note about this thing in the happening mm-hmm. is there's two things it does. One, it kind of makes you repeat yourself and sort of freeze up and lose memory. Yeah. And then two, it makes you violently kill yourself. Right. Uh, with a complete calm. Yeah. That's like the, that's it. That's it. That's like what's happening. In, that's that what's is happening. the happening. That's the happening. That's the titular happening. It's what this movie's about. That's happening. So they're talking about the book, and they're having a weird conversation. One of them's played by Kristen Connolly, now of uh, House yeah, of Cards. She's fame. on House of Cards. She's in Cabin, Cabin in the Woods. Woods. Uh, she looks over her shoulder. She sees that all these people are standing still in the middle of Central Park. Oh, how peculiar! What is happening? And then she turns to her friend. She goes, "Like Cindy, what's happening?" Oh, boy. And she goes, "I blank, 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 nothing." Yeah, and then she takes her the chopstick out of her hair calmly. Yes, and she's plunges it into her neck. Cool. It is cool. The only problem with it, and at least for me, was like the marketing was really like that was in the marketing. Yeah, they ruined it. So the shock of this movie, I feel like, is that. I think that was the teaser trailer. Yes. Um, but but I look at that moment and I remember it seeing well it in the done. theater and I went like, "This is the okay. This is what M Night could do with an R. He's not trying to go super gory. No. He's not trying to do Evil Dead. It goes into her neck a little like a trickle of blood comes out, but it's not like a big, gross, like arterial sort of spray. But that kind of image is a little too disturbing for PG-13. Absolutely. And no, you feel not. like yeah. if that's where the movie's starting, if he's going to repeat images like that, that could be his R. It's not limbs getting removed. It's shit like that that's just a little fucking, a little too much for PG-13, right? Yeah, we hard still cut. effective. Still Very effective. effective. Super effective. Super effective. Good. But not scene. much worse than what we've seen in the Sixth Sense. Just a little more actively violent. Right. It's you get the close up of the thing you going know, it's in. Gross. It's good. It's okay. Gross. You hard, think it's going to cut away and it doesn't. That's hard viable. cut to construction sites. So that's the first three minutes. First three minutes of the film yeah, are well. The good. construction site yeah. scene is very my, like a lot of movies that were coming out around now. Mm-hmm. It's like movies are finally starting to broach like nine eleven imagery. Yeah, Kung Fu Panda did that. <laughs> All right, that's it. <laughs> that's the end of the podcast. All podcasts. That's it. Goodbye forever. Uh, no, you know, yeah. Remember, we're there's at, the scene with the two dumplings, and then he, he no, and so the he knocks the, them down. The, the, the two dumplings at, at a construction yard again. One comedy it's point. like people freeze. People freeze up. Yes. What's happening? We hear like th- sort of thudding noises. Well, oh, the first thing that happens is they're talking, and a body falls. Right, right and they're like, "Oh God, somebody fell!" You know, they're oh, thinking, fuck, "Oh, it's Rodriguez. in a construction accident." Oh boy, yeah. And then people are just throwing themselves from the top of the building. There's an amazing image where the Which guy looks up. Was also in the marketing. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, he looks up and you just see the edge of the building and people just starting to step up and these bodies starting to fall towards the lens. It's a beautiful, beautiful shot. And he's doing a lot of what Tak Fujimoto is good at, what he did in the sort of uh, A Lot in Silence of the Lambs with Jonathan Demme, where it's like characters staring down the barrel of the lens. Right which is very disorienting. Yeah. It's very unnerving, you know? Yeah. And so you're seeing 
the guys who are trying to figure out what's going on looking straight into the camera, and then you're seeing their perspective, which is bodies falling towards them. It is a creepy 9-11 thing. Okay. So and that, Cloverfield had come out the year before. Like, movies were starting to play on that imagery of the news. Cloverfield you know? came out earlier that year. That was oh, January. Oh, was it the top of 08? Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah, sure. Okay, so that's, we're at minute six, I believe second 30 of the film. Oh, God, I like this. Yeah, I'm watching it. I'm hooked. I'm watching it on Amazon. I'm going, was I wrong about this thing? Because this had always been my least favorite. Am I wrong about this? And then at minute six, second 32, Marky Mark enters. Yeah. And goes like, okay, so uh, well, well, what are we going to do about the honeybees? So here's the thing about Mark Wahlberg in this film. Yeah. Not the worst performance in the film. Interesting. Zoe Deschanel's performance is worse than his. Disagree. We're going to talk about this a lot. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Zoe Deschanel's performance is one of the most disastrous performances I've ever seen in a major film. I disagree. And I, Mark Wahlberg, it's like, I get why he's bad. Like, you know, he's like, he, I, I can see him being bad, if that makes sense. Zoe Deschanel never makes a correct choice, ever. Is she like, making a choice? I mean, like, everything she does is uh, wrong. So wrong. Can I throw something and out I there? And I like Zoe Deschanel in general. Can I throw something out there? I think Mark Wahlberg's performance in this movie is one of the most disastrous lead I mean, performances ever in a studio it's film. It's not good. I'm not saying it's good. I think Zoe Deschanel is secretly really good. In this no, movie. she's not. That's I think she is. And I'm gonna make. I'm gonna build an argument for it. There's no argument. But let's focus on Wahlberg first. <laughs> there okay? is not an argument. There's an argument. I'm gonna build it. No, there is. There's an argument. I'm gonna build it because I felt the same way when I saw it the first time. I was a huge Zoe Deschanel fan. I saw it and I went, "This is a fucking disastrous." I had already performance. soured on her because I mean, and I was talking to past guest Katie Rich about this mm-hmm. about her weird career. Very weird. How, like, obviously she came onto the scene strong, indie star. Jimmy Fallon's idiot boyfriend music video. Uh, and then, you know, she does, like, all the real girls. Almost Famous amazing. was her breakout. Was well, yeah, crazy. Right, yeah, Almost right, Famous, yeah. good girl. Yeah. And then she does... Um, all the real girls. All the real girls. She's good at girl would, movies, I would yeah. give her an Oscar for I her. would, too. And then that same year she does Elf, which she's so charming in, and it's such a, like, nice movie. And, and it's a huge hit. hit. It felt like she was going to be a then big star. she makes... Movies that literally sound like parodies of indie movies. Well, like Gigantic, a Paul Gigantic, Dano? Eulogy. Flakes? Winter Passing. Uh, Live Free or Die. Is there the one, Good Life. I believe there's one called Flakes that's about her yes, working Flakes. at a cereal restaurant that only serves breakfast cereal. Like, I swear to God. I mean, we, we were talking about, like, when every indie movie became, like, a Tribeca Film Festival movie. Yeah. Like, you know, like, it's just, just garbage. Yeah. You know, this is also around the time that she's active in She and Him. As she's well. in she and, and so him. she is Everyone's getting a little sick of her whole kind of tweet, like iconic sort of thing, right? And then when she yeah. does she New does, Girl, she kind of owns it and weaponizes no, no, it she, and no, makes herself the butt of the joke. She had done 500 Days of Summer, which I feel like that's when it's like at critical mass. Oh, yeah. And then she does yeah. New Girl and right, yes. And that's when it. she's sort of she takes becoming back, meta about yeah, it. Yes. Um, um, which by And the way, then basically she hasn't done any movies. She hasn't done movies anymore. She's done one film since New Girl started. Can you name that film? Rock the Casbah. Yep. Unfortunately, let's not talk about that one. Anyway, uh, but anyway, so but we've got Wahlberg, science teacher. Okay, so there's one detail he throws out in this scene that I've never stopped thinking about. about I don't the bees. No, the thing about your face growing every year. Yeah, I think about that a lot. It's a weird. Yeah, he's like your nose grows a little bit like every year, there's and the a kid's really good like, looking kid, nose? and yeah. he's like, "Hey, he's Jack, good looking." He's not even that great looking, but within the context of the film, the film he's asks to us be the hottie. to accept yeah. that the kid has a perfect face, right? Yeah, and he goes like, "Hey, Jerry." Don't you have any answer for the question? Because he's just going, what about the honeybees? You guys got any... Well, what, what do you think's happening to the honeybees? The honeybees are disappearing. And he's got an Einstein quote behind him on the wall that says, when the honeybees start dying, humanity has four years left. Yeah. Right? And it says, like, direct quote from Einstein on the chalkboard. 
He's asking everyone about the honeybees, and he goes like, what about you, Jerry? And Jerry's like, Pfft. And he's like, oh, what, you're, you're too busy having a perfect face to give me an answer about the honeybees? And Jerry's like, <laughs> So at this point, I am already actively disconnecting from the film. Yeah, because this like, performance- Like, I'm, I'm abandoning shit. Already, this is not- he, No! Mark, no! What are it, you doing? It's the thing where, like, I'm on, I'm on the ship- and like, there's one little leak. Yeah. But for some reason, I'm like some sort of math genius, like who knows everything about ships. And I'm just like, we gotta go. Like, it's just one little thing. But I'm like, it's too late. We have to leave. You know what you are? You're Victor Garber in Titanic, going, I designed this ship. I know if we're hitting that spot, there's no way we make it through the night. <laughs> She's made of iron, sure, sir. And I assure you, she can. That's, yeah. that's the line. Right. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, it just immediately you're just like, ah, something fucked up is happening here. Uh, like that. That was my read. I was like. This is not where you take those first nope. scenes. Nope. And this you don't is, take it to some cutesy. This like, is not who you have playing this part. No. It, <laughs> and and you need someone. That, what they set up is this guy's such a big. This is how I would describe this performance. Okay. I would say I would describe it as Mark Wahlberg doing an impression of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Doing an impression of a nerd. Yeah. I mean, the one thing Wahlberg has going for him versus, yeah. like, say, you know, 15 years ago, maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger plays this role or whatever. It's like, right. Mark Wahlberg's not big. Like, he's kind of a slight, tough guy. He's small so, and he's slimmed down, it looks like, for yeah. this role. So and they put him in dorky clothes. Him. You can it's disguise him. It's not like Kindergarten. Well, the Kindergarten Cup doesn't. But, you know, it's not like some movie where Junior, like, where it's like, yes. Arnold Schwarzenegger is not. I, I'm sorry. He's just not a doctor. Every look Arnold at him. Schwarzenegger movie yeah, needs like, a scene where someone goes, Why do you look yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, you're just <laughs> How much time do you spend in the gym? But but Wahlberg, you know, basically Looks like a just guy. like a guy. Um, that had been so, said. Okay. Every line reading to me plays like he wants to beat up his own character. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> he might look it, but he doesn't embody it. And like, I think he hates this fucking the, nerd he's playing. The, the role he's born for is The Departed, which yes. is the chip on the shoulder guy who's yeah. like, yeah, I know I'm a little small, yeah. but like, don't fuck with me. Like, you know, I, I'm crazy. You don't know what I'm going to do. He's good at playing the fuck you guy. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy, he's playing the fuck me guy. Like, I don't know, fuck me. Like, oh, God. Or like what Russell does, which is he takes a David or Russell, he takes advantage of like you thinking like, ah, this guy's like got an inferiority complex. Yeah. You right. know, like in an I Howard Huckabee's right. or in The Fighter, he's kind of sad. Yeah. Doesn't trust himself. Like, that's right. good, Wahlberg. But it's but it's that inferiority he's complex. Like hockey, but then you're also like, who is this? He's a science He teacher. uses machismo to overcome his infor- inferiority complex. Not to overcome it, to disguise it, right? I guess so. If you take away the sense of machismo, you got nothing. So this, he's just like a straw man, because it's just like, I don't know, I love science. And he goes up at the end of every single sentence in a way where it sounds like he can barely keep his I mean, fist out of frame right. from punching himself in the face that's, and being like, listen to this fucking nerd. That's what What's Sandberg marked. It was right. just Sandberg, who is never like a master impressionist, but he just nailed the diction. Identified the diction. That up thing, and like... That everything he says sounds like a stupid thing. And this say. is the movie where he does that the most and it, and where he's least convincing in every single line reading. Yeah. He says this thing to his kid where he's like, you got a perfect face. Well, guess what? Your face grew, grows like one fifteenth of a centimeter every year. Yeah. So in 15 years, your nose is going to suck. And then he's like, ah, yeah, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, You're always going to have a perfect face. I think about that all the time. Well, okay. I don't. I don't give credit to the movie, but I... It's just so, a weird thing to I think I like about. that sometimes you see something in a movie and it teaches you something about life and you remember it forever. Okay, so I bet, that... What if M.I. turns out M.I. Shyamalan just made that shit up <laughs> and you've been I, just thinking I believe it. Uh, but anyway, so... But, I mean, then we proceed pretty quickly. Alan Ruck shows up for one second Four as lines. the principal just to be like, hey, we got, like, school's out, something crazy's happening. Yeah. 
Wahlberg goes ha- home. Happening. Yeah. Something is that they're happening. Yeah. And Wahlberg goes home to his wife. Oh, before that, there's Alma. a hard cut. Also, I do want to say it's 9-11-ish as well. It, it reminded I, me of my experience. It's all very 9-11. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yes. It's like, yeah. It's all very we gotta, 9-11. We got to leave school. school like, yeah. the teachers assembling. We don't know what's going on. The we just vi- want to get yeah. everyone home. That's the what my 9-11 was like. The village is the movie like. about like a vague sort of trauma that yeah. people are trying to escape from. But like this is more directly. You can tell it's on his mind. This is living and through. And Lady it. in the Water yeah. too is about like there's like this specter of darkness around like you know the wars that we see on TV and stuff like. But those movies are reactionary. It's the fallout. This right. film is what does this it feel like is, in the moment when the world is crumbling? It's kind of like what Spielberg did with War of the Worlds, except Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg's War of the Worlds is really good and really <laughs> like frightening uh-huh. and like dis- disorienting. Yeah. Whereas this is not at all. So they hard cut from Alan Ruck going, just go home, be yeah. with your families, yeah. to Zoe Deschanel staring at the camera, her big blue eyes. Like, like all eyes. I forgot all about eyes. that. They cut to, she's got obviously these gorgeous blue eyes, right. and like they just cut to and they're like, wide her open. eyes. She's staring, she's sitting in a room by herself, and you're like, what the fuck's going on? And then cell phone vibration. I mean, I think it's supposed to be like a misdirect of like, oh, is she about to stab a chopstick through her neck or whatever? Right. But then like, no, she's just- Pensive because maybe she wants to leave her husband. Maybe. Well, know. and then you, I think you also are supposed to think misdirect. It's her husband calling her on the cell phone. Then she picks up and she goes like, "Joey, I can't. We just got tiramisu one time. That's it. Can't you move on?" I believe the voice on the other end of the line is M Night Shyamalan. That is correct. M Night Shyamalan is the voice of Joey in this film. I thought he it was. Can't let it go. I thought this was the first one he didn't have a cameo in, but this time he plays a guy who He's will not, not screen will not stop. Bothering Zoe Dashanel because they had tiramisu one time, and that's supposed to be innuendo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had some tiramisu. They had some tiramisu. Had they some, ate it all up. Coffee-flavored tiramisu. Yeah, he teared her masu. Mm. Anyway, uh, Wahlberg gets home. They get on a train to What's Harrisburg. What's going on? Who's Joey? Who are you talking they to? They get the phone? on a fucking train to Harrisburg. Well, of course. What happens? We're is in Philly. Of his, course, his best friend is John Leguizamo. We forgot to mention, this. which is oh, great. Yeah. Third build in the film. John Leguizamo has a daughter. You know, Legu- was it clear he was a math teacher? Okay, because this is his opening line of the film. God, this is crazy what's going on here. You know what I do? I just tell everyone statistics. Statistics calm people down. See, math can make life better. It's good being a math teacher. I don't think Leguizamo is bad in this movie, but he's certainly saddled with a very unfortunate series of lines. Hey, hey people like statistics. It's his whole <laughs> you know, fucking game. You know Leguizamo can really be bad. Like I think yes. he's a great actor, but he, but can, he can really be go terrible. way over the top. And you can tell he when he's phoning it really in. Like, no, yeah. no, he's pretty middling, I'd say. Um... Uh, but he loves statistics. Yeah, so... And he has this theory that statistics will calm people down, which I'd love to see the statistics on that theory. But I'd also, like, it's one of those half-hearted Shyamalan things where, like, he does it, like, twice. Like, it's not enough. There's not enough of it he for... He sets to... it up in his opening line. And he sets it up. He does it one time and then another right time. Right before he dies. Yeah. yeah. Um, Both right before he dies. But, but uh, Legazamo says to him, he's like, hey, I talked to my mom. She lives in Philadelphia. They say it's safe there. We should go to Philadelphia. No, they're in Philadelphia. You mean Harrisburg? They're in New York. No, they're no, in Philadelphia. They're in, they're in Philadelphia. They're going to Harrisburg. Are you I'm, serious? Yes, I am serious. But 100%. the film opens in Central Park. Yes, but that's because it starts in Central Park. It hasn't reached Philadelphia yet, but there's like an encroaching wave. And so they're going to go to Harrisburg, which is in the center of Pennsylvania. I think the confusion is I believe there are some shots of a park in Philly there as well. There are also shots. That happens God. later. That okay. happens yeah. later. Okay. That's uh, like the second wave of the okay. attacks. Yeah. Yeah. I you was going to say, I thought the film was they start out in New York and then it's about people having to get to Philadelphia because it's the only safe place left. Which I was going to load a lot onto that. No, because there's, don't load anything onto I that. I will because not, because it wasn't maps right. on the news that's basically like this sort of, you know, the dots, like it's this going sort from of the growing wave. Out. Yes, yes. And um, uh, 
John Leguizamo is about seven years older than Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. who's about uh, nine years older than Zoe Deschanel. If not more. And uh, doesn't look good. Nope. You can pull that off sometimes, but Zoe Deschanel looks way too young to be his wife. Uh-huh. And Leguizamo looks like too old to be like his best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole thing's weird. Uh, and uh, but yet they all get on a train to Harrisburg. But they have chemistry, those two, as friends. And Joey's Deschanel. Nobody and has Mark any chemistry. <laughs> okay. What are you talking I, about? I, see, I, I think this I is think the that thing. that tiger has chemistry with the arms he rips off. That's about it. <laughs> I think at the end of every scene with Legazam on Wahlberg, they high fived each other. Went like, what a fucking bunch of dweebs, right? Like it feels like both of them thinks their characters are losers. Right? Leguizamo definitely does, uh, you can tell, like, yeah, he's like, I'm playing this guy as a bit of a nebbish. Uh, can I throw out just a- It's a bit too obvious. Can I throw out a quick uh, uh, IMDb trivia fact? Uh, yeah, shoot. Uh, this movie was shot completely in sequence. Which is something he's done before, right? He does that. Yeah, but it's it's very unusual. It is, and it's expensive, I think. Uh, it is. Although this movie does have a progression that maybe that made it easier, because, like, we don't ever cut back to Philly or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. they're on the road. Yeah. So I suppose that made it easier. Uh, yes. So they all meet up at a train station. Legazamo, his daughter, Zoe Deschanel, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, right after Legazamo told him the thing about fucking statistics, was like, oh, by the way, Alma and I have been fighting. And he's like, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know. Marriage isn't going well. And he's like, well, dude, I've been meaning to tell you this since it happened. But when you got married, I walked in on her in the changing it room. Is so weird. In her dress. She was crying. And then she looked up at me and she gave he, me a look. He and says Wahlberg this was after like, news that there are basically like chemical attacks in New York. And after That's telling him that statistics calm everyone down, then he tells his friend something to freak him out. And he goes, she looked me in the eyes and she gave me that look. And I said, what kind of look? And he goes, that look like you're not ready for what you're about to jump into. It's 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 so weird that you immediately think he's talking about a different character. Yes. Like, there's no way that he's talking to him about his wife, right? Right. Like, it's some other story he's telling. Is that what this is? Especially because she's called Alma, which is, I, I mean, kind of a Hispanic name. Okay, I looked it up. It, it has become a Hispanic name, but it's actually, I think, like Dutch in origin. All right, so but that's fine. But, I mean... Nonetheless, it is weird because John Leguizamo's kid is called Jess, and that is the name of Zoe Deschanel's character on New Girl. Once again, this is something I can't blame the movie for. No, but it's very confusing now. But when we're on season six of a TV show that I still watch five, five, that I still watch regularly, where the theme song is, it's Jess. Yes. And, like, you associate that name with that face, and in this movie you have Zoe Deschanel calling someone else Jess the entire time. I, like, could not keep... uh, I know, couldn't keep any of it in, in, in my head. No, not at all. But let's just be, let's, yeah, so. Show up at the train station, like, it's almost like. Shyamalan, bad writer style. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he's like, oh, and uh, just in case you didn't know this, Mark Wahlberg, you're in, you are having marital difficulties. Right. Right, and Mark Wahlberg's like, yeah, yeah, all right, Wah! you know, they I'm should, freaking out about it. She doesn't, you know, gets the phone call from Joey, doesn't want to deal with it. Wahlberg's like, we gotta go. They go to the train station. Like, it's almost like, hey, I'm really glad you showed up. And she's like. What are you talking about? He's like, well, I know you guys had a fight, but I'm glad even though you had a fight last night, you decided to show up here at the train station. And it's like, fucking Johnny Legs, like, like, shut up for five seconds. The world is ending. Like, you think we're not going to show? Yeah, you want a statistic? Uh, 40% of fights result in someone not showing up to the train station the next morning. And then she's like, "Uh, can I talk to you for a second? Pulls Wahlberg aside. It's like, why'd you tell me? He's like, I don't know. Fucking honeybees are dying. Whole thing is going on. And she's like, okay, I'm going to not sit next to you on the train. And then she walks up to Legazamo and she's like, um... I should just get on the train now because we're not going to sit next to each other anyway, right? 
And he's they like, have all the chemistry yeah? of like people who've been on one Tinder date. Like they have no chemistry at all. You're talking Wahlberg and Zdeno. Obviously, Mike Wazama. Yeah. I mean, can I tell you why I think it's secretly a really good performance? It's not. Can I tell ahead. you why? Yes, I can tell you it's not though. Because I think she's playing someone. I think they are a couple who never should have been married in the first place. That doesn't make any sense. I think whereas most Shyamalan films are someone trying to save their marriage, this film is like. These two people liked each other enough that they thought it was a good idea to get married. Now they realize they have nothing in common. But the, but that arc doesn't of the pay movie off. is that they get together yeah. and that they find that they love each other. I'm ignoring the ending of the film. The, your this your argument is false because they don't even have any like knowledge of each other. That's what's yeah. so weird about the movie. I think she's like a manic pixie dream girl that he fetishized and now he's like domesticated her and he no, finds her boring now. You're reading way too much into this. Way too much into Zoe Deschanel. Probably. I'm just words. trying to find something in There's, this fucking movie. She is lost at sea. And like maybe that's because Shyamalan's not a great director of actors. It also feels like the characters lost. Char- I mean, characters not. No, come on, the character is basically the character's arc in the story. Forget uh-huh. the performance is. You know, she, she was feeling a bit touchy about the marriage. She had like a not even a dalliance, but like she entertained a dalliance. Sure, she like sure. went on a date. To her credit, I'll say this: what she is, what's successful about the performance mm-hmm. is uh, as, as being on the receiving end of like having issues with the girlfriend, I could not tell you what was going on in her head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. She's just, she's I a closed book. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea. You can't so figure her out. There's that. Yeah. Maybe she's just supposed to be 100% inscrutable. But yeah. I don't think so because the movie, yeah, it's like she's had this dalliance. Yeah. She confesses it. Right. Early. Early. And then that's kind of, they just kind of figure it out and they're it's better. A little bit. I mean, like, they don't seem look, that happy by the end of look, it. I wish this movie this had movie been. Doesn't them... have, there's not a lot, a lot to this movie. No, I think it's his worst film. I, I mean, think well, so too. I mean, Lady in the Water is. I haven't seen the Last Airbender. That's probably worse than this. But oh. I mean, oh yeah. But you know, bad. I mean, but the thing about it is, like, it's actually not as bad as Lady in the Water. But it's just such a shrug of a movie. Like after those opening scenes, it's just kind of like. Eh, eh. Well, he said in interviews that his goal was to make the best B movie yeah, ever. But that's just horseshit. Okay, now this is what I don't like about that sort of thinking, right? It's him saying, like, oh, my goal is just to make the best bad movie of all time. And if you don't get that and you think it's bad, then you're stupid because you don't understand I'm trying to be bad on purpose. But like, Which my theory is, fucking don't run a race with your legs tied together. Like, if you can fucking no, direct a movie, no, no. make the best movie he's you can make. He's not doing that. No, but he's not doing that. That's just some shit you say in an interview. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a big movie. He also compared this movie to The Birds and Invasion of the Body right. Snatchers, which are two of the most famous suspense films ever and made. And are fucking movies where people are playing at the top of the intelligence. Are, they're not B-movies. Those right. are A-movies. Right. What a B-movie is, is like a cheap... Uh, 50s Hollywood type movie like The Visit that would play like like The Visit yeah that would play like sort yeah. of at, you know with another movie it would yes. be kind of short right. and was just kind of you know cheap sexy fun and and was big and loud and over the top because right. you were just trying to get people to stay and, in their and seats was made fast right. and, you know it was just like a fun silly thing but that's the thing because it was the second movie on a lineup it's literally exactly. a B picture after your A picture you want people to stay in the theater buy more popcorn you got big flash you have sex you have violence yeah, yeah, you have fun yeah, you know. with twists you know, and this is like so. So it's just this way that people misuse that term B movie. This movie was made for fifty million bucks. It's not a B movie. The no. arrogance of him it saying movie stars. people don't get it. It's I pretty much was just trying to make the best B movie ever, and that's what I did. It's like you can't tell me that you made the best B movie ever. We tell you that, and we have told you that you did not. It's maybe he was trying to say he was trying to make the best B movie ever, and that it's the best movie in which the inciting incident is bees dying. But even then, I would say that B movie is better than the happening. 
Do they die in B movie? I think that's why the controversy is that the honey is making them weak, so they sue to get the rights to their honey back from the people. I think that's the plot of B movie. Who was it who told him to make B movie? Some maniac. Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yeah, was like, like I think Seinfeld literally just said this shit to Katzenberg at a party. Katzenberg was like, "It's a movie. We're making a movie." Katzenberg wanted Seinfeld to do an animated movie, and he was like, "Jerry, come on, you gotta do an animated movie." And he was like, "I don't have any ideas." And he's like, "We well, just cast some. You must have some idea." And he's like, "Well, I thought it'd be funny if you called a movie B movie and had bees in it." And he's like, "Green light, done." <laughs> like that was the story. He just wanted a Seinfeld movie so badly. Uh, anyway. Anyway, so but let's get let's get through the plot of the happening. Okay, they get on a train. Yep. They're on a train for a little bit. The train stops. We lost communication in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, there's this kind of good scene where Wahlberg is like, "Why'd you stop? What's the matter?" And all the train conductors are together with their yeah. hats, and eventually they admit, like, we, "There's no contact with the outside world." And we Mark Wahlberg says, on. "With whom?" And he goes, "We lost contact." And he goes, "With whom?" With everyone, the whole world. So with whom? Um, at this point, uh-huh. John Leguizamo is really worried about his wife, I believe. Yes. So he decides to go off in search of her, like kind of into the danger zone, right? That's the idea. Well, they go to a diner. The diner gets the news report right. saying that it's spreading across oh, the and city. They, that's, is, that's where they see the video on their phone of a guy getting ripped to shreds at a zoo. He walks into a lion's cage and he holds one, one of the worst out. scenes. It's the worst version of he's trying to remake the birthday party scene from Signs where it's like you're watching the video and you can't really see what's going on. But then like it's like, oh, you're behind someone's head. And then when you can see, it's just a guy walking around with like a bloody stump. That looks like a fucking SNL sketch. No, it looks well, like that the Phil Hartman as the weightlifter. You know what I'm saying? Where his arms fall off and it's just like ketchup shooting out. The other thing that doesn't make sense is uh, the the birthday party scene in Signs is shot exactly as that would be shot. Yep. Where it's like kind of panicked. This, someone is watching someone get torn to pieces by a fucking animal. Yeah. And it's just holding their camera steady right on. But there's one moment where the camera goes down for a little bit and he's like, oh my God, oh my God. Oh, and oh, then yeah, he lifts right, it back right, up right, again. Right, right, right. Like just, just to kind of make the transition to make between it look, violence. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ugh, it's, it's crappy. It's terrible. So and Legazamo, at this point, the movie sucks. Yeah. Right? We agree. Yeah. Legazamo sees it spraying to Princeton, which is where his wife is. The owner of the diner is like, we all got to get out of here. The electricity goes out at the diner suddenly. Yeah. So they all start trying to hitch rides. All right, so here's here's that's what I was getting to. Yeah. Leguizamo decides to go into the danger zone. Like he wants go, to go to Princeton and get not, his wife. Not run away, go in right. with a bunch of people who are in like a jeep. Yeah. And and instead, and goes, and Wal- and take my daughter. He he gives Wahlberg his daughter. Yeah. It's a disastrous decision. They go in a car with Frank Collison, who's a great character actor. Frank Collison, who was in the village. Yes. Uh, he plays a plant nursery owner, which he explains the second he starts talking. Hey, my wife and I have a car. We have extra seats. We run a plant nursery. We just got to go back and get some plants. But if you want to come with us as we go get the plants, you can come with us. Like, he just immediately outlines everything you need to know about him for the sake of the plot. He does. Um, And Frank Collison's weird looking. Yep. And this movie makes him more weird looking. He's got, like, a beard and shit. And so I think you're watching and thinking, like, oh, this guy's trouble. He's going to be the creep. No. 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 Not at all. But whatever. But so, it doesn't even feel like it was a conscious red herring. It feels like Shyamalan didn't realize that the way he positioned him in the movie would scare people, would make them maybe. unnerved. It's hard to know. Un- but anyway, yeah. Wahlberg, Deschanel, daughter. The daughter. Jess. Uh, uh, Jess, who's played by Ashlyn Sanchez. Yeah. They get in a car with plant nursery people to go like further west. And now they just have a daughter. They have his best friend's daughter. 
And there's this scene. Oh, Ashlyn Sanchez, by the way, it's the little girl from Crash. That's the other big oh, thing really? that she's in. Yeah. Who was she? Was Michael Pena's daughter? Yeah, she's in the best scene in the movie. Yeah, very good. Man. And I believe she played one of Smith's kids in the West Wing. Uh, you know, Smith's. That's a pro Smith's Smith podcast. Yeah, I know about Smith's. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Smith Smith's. Uh, so uh, I'm totally lost my train of thought. This movie's so boring. Um, oh yeah, they just go. Oh, no, no. There's that scene where like was almost like, ah, tell you statistics, right? That's yeah, that's my favorite scene in the entire film. It's such a weird scene. So they drive into Princeton and they're like, what? Why are these cars parked on the side of the road? Why are these ladders? And then they look and all the like, the fucking like like what? It, what I I don't. Even, all these guys have just hung themselves. With like hoses from the trees, it makes no sense because they are like forty feet off the ground. It's like how like, the fuck did they get up on those trees? But the, well, the, all the ladders are there. Is the idea they're supposed to uh, be repairmen? All right, so I guess they're like uh, landscapers. They're landscapers or, or whatever. Yeah, it's a bunch tree of trimming. there's a bunch yeah, of right, trucks, right. and then there are a bunch of ladders. And as they drive further, they see all these guys hung up by the, the hoses. I mean, it's kind of scary. He's got some good images I mean, across. But, you the know, film. he kind of did that in the Sixth Sense. Yeah, he already did the like hanging people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like it's fine though. Hanging is creepy. That always is creepy. Always creepy. It's always a creepy image, right? So there's a teenage girl in the car, and she's freaking out. Her parents, who are in the car with her, are doing nothing to calm her down. And Legazama from Shotgun turns around and is like, you you know what calms people down? Statistics. Let me tell you some statistics. And then, like, gives them statistics. I think this is an okay scene. And then he does the game with with the dollar. He goes, if I give you a penny the first day of the month, and every day I double it, how much money do you have by the end of the month? And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, dead people. And he's like, just focus, just focus, work on the question. Math calms people down. People like numbers. And she's like, she she gives, like, the wrong answer. But they're also cutting to that shot of the Yeah, well, he notices that, I mean, good idea, by the way, guys. They're trying to the windows. They're trying to stuff the windows with clothing. They they drove, it's an airborne disease, and they drove in a fabric Jeep. Like, you know, like, come on, guys. Like the Jurassic Park, like, fucking Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, yeah, he notices a tear in the roof. And and he keeps going with it. I don't understand what he's trying to He's just trying to chill her out. Yeah. Well, but the thing the, the thing that is both good and bad about the gimmick is like it doesn't you no one attacks each other. That's like the central thing. You kill yourself. Right. Which is kind of a problem in this movie because it means that there's no like threat. The only threat is wind. Yeah. Um so like it's not like you can be like worried like uh-oh, Deschanel's going to get a whiff of this and turn on me. But it is also kind of cool that that doesn't it, like it is. It's but it doesn't work. I mean, it mo- it events ends up hollow. I mean, it's not even that that worth going through the rest of the plot of the film. We'll go through a couple of key details. This is the big thing what you brought up that I want to talk about about why this movie is kind of like fundamentally dramatically inert with the way it's set up. But I just have to read this reminder to be trivia. The exact answer to Julian's math riddle with the average month having thirty days is ten million dollars seven hundred thirty-seven thousand four hundred eighteen twenty-three cents. The answer is not. Ten million seven hundred thirty-seven thousand four hundred. Literally, no one knows what you're because talking about. Because Julian right now. is asking about the total sum of the amounts from Griffin, all days, and every amount is an even away. number except the amount on the first day, one cent. Therefore, the total sum must be an odd number of cents. In addition, no when the month in question has thirty-one days, then ten million seven hundred thirty-seven thousand four hundred eighteen dollars twenty-four cents will be the amount on the thirty-first day, and the total sum after thirty-one days would be. Take a guess. I don't care. Are you going to cut this out? $21,474,836.47. I think, Ben, please cut that out. I just dropped the phone. No, that's in 100%. That was really bad. That's in 100%. People wouldn't like that. People will love it. Uh, But anyway, let's move on. Okay, so movies like this where the threat is a force in. It is in. (laughs) Cut it out. It's Uh, in. No, but yes. The day day after tomorrow had come out a couple years was 2004. It was right. four years earlier, right? And three, four, right. Yes. Yeah. And that's a movie where people outrun 
frost. Yes. Right? Like uh, uh, an ice. Right. <laughs> some it, cold. Movies like this where there is some sort of attack natural, that is threatening yes. humanity but is a natural occurrence, it is hard if it's not like an alien. There's not like a fucking like manifestation, you know, like a physicalization of the enemy that you can conquer. If there's not a way to reverse the effects. Because it always just is like, well, I can't believe that this guy could stop this. And if it just stops suddenly, then it feels like a cheat. Like, what do you do? So the movie just becomes them trying to outrun it. It takes so long because fucking, uh, what's his name? Uh, Coleson, Frank Coleson, early in the film is like, you know, plants could talk to each other. It's probably yeah. the plants. Like, he, he says that info minute dumps, 40. Yeah, this sort of what's happening. And which they is go, like, it's some sort of natural reaction from plants. Like, plants can They're fighting toxins. back. They don't like how we've treated us. They can talk to each other, this and that. Now, this... I should say one problem with this movie is that it's, I guess it's an environmental movie, but there's no like other environmental message to it. It's not like we see like construction sites right. or like logging or no. whatever. You know, it's just sort of like or that. Like vague, a representative for the plants right. who yeah. are talking and addressing I speak, American he people. He might say like, like yeah, yeah, I exactly. speak for the trees. Yeah. He might say that. Right. Yeah. I, and then he kicks himself and in the butt and goes over there. And he could be played by like former M. Night Shyamalan cast member Tova Feldsha. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, right? Like, I mean, if anyone's listened to the happen- uh, Lady in the Water episode, you know. It, it almost feels like this film was inspired by his conversations with Tova Feldsha and then he completely I, misinterpreted everything he t- I that she told him. think it was inspired. Him. He listened to the episode about Lady in the Water water in the future and then travel back in time and was like you know what's gonna work this is short but i have to throw another imdb fact because it makes as much sense as what you just said can you totally throw this out and we're totally cutting the other thing that you did and 100 uh, both of them it. are 100 in nope. towards the end of the movie alma puts something in jess's backpack the backpack has a picture from avatar the last airbender uh, okay on the next scene jess boards a school bus with the number 2010 on its hood this is an allusion to The Last Airbender, which was released in 2010 and also directed by M. Night Shyamalan. So this person is saying that he put the year of the movie and the cartoon show that the movie was based off of in the movie, even though he had not yet decided to make that movie. That he was calling his shots Babe Ruth style and was like, I'm going to put a reference. Like he went into the future, then jumped into the past and was like, M. Night, you should put 2010 on this hood because then it's going to work as an Easter egg for something I haven't done yet. You're cutting that too, right, Ben? Um, it's a little spooky, right? It's yeah. Well, or the IMDb trivia person's a dummy. Yeah, well, yeah I think this it's is the, the thing. I don't person. think we should really rely on IMDb trivia too much because anyone can submit that shit. Although sometimes I say things to people, so it forces me to do it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you're saying it was like a like a vision board. Yeah, he in made a vision board in this movie <laughs> so that he could someday direct a Last Airbender movie. Okay, day after tomorrow, which I. Enjoy. I think is actually like yeah, a B movie. It, it, you're right. it's, it's a all big right. budget B movie, well, but it's broad. And also, it's, it's a cheesy. movie about the environment that actually at least like tries to be about like the environment and like climate change. It's not good at it or anything. A, a little but, like, like, know, like sort of yeah, over the head. But it also, this movie is just him being like, oh, climate change. That'd make the trees mad. You it's know. not thematically tied into the not film at all. at all. It's not hit upon as a thing whatsoever. But the other thing with Day After Tomorrow is the way they get around this thing is it's like okay, you can't beat the world, right? Nature, if it's going to attack, is going to attack. There's no way to beat it. There's not an alien chief that you can How take down. How could you? Right. So what is the plot of the film? Are set the air on fire? Yeah. The sun's in New York. The yeah. dad's in D.C. The movie is oh, you're talking about Finding Nemo. Tomorrow. Yeah, it's them it's, finding each other. Someone has to get to someone else. Yeah, no, the good thing about the day of tomorrow is that the world ends. Right. But there's an emotional climax to them reuniting. Which means there's a thing you can latch on to and like, follow, and there's a goal that can be achieved. They right. can't beat nature but like no. the guy can can find his son again and hug him and then we'll feel some sort of catharsis at the end of the movie 
This movie is a guy and his wife who don't really like each other anymore, who should have never gotten married in the first place, mm. on the run. At minute 40, a guy explains to them everything that's going on. It's they plants. go, that's dumb, and you're an idiot. Fuck you. And then go on with their way. 20 minutes later, when his theory is proven completely correct, yeah, they they're figure like, it out. that guy's still dumb. Maybe he's right. Probably well, not. He's they crazy. They figure it out in, I think, the scene that people mock the most, which is them like out running just like wind. Yeah. Like they're in like a hayfield. And they sort of see the wind approaching. But see, that's like this last scene I think we should mock because even if it feels corny, and I think it's just because no, of what the movie's been about. We've got Betty Buckley to mock. Yeah, right. Well, Wait that's, a second. that's the biggest thing. Yeah. I also think that's the moment where the movie's kind of hitting into something where it's like, if you are going to try to make a B movie, and we're not talking literally B movie because it's a $48 million budget, but a kind of film that's that like broad, right? And that, that is that pulpy. I want it to be them out running the wind. Like, I want it to be like. I don't like that scene, though. I like. But, no, I, I don't like, like that the scene. I like that the idea. scene is like the wind blows over them and nothing happens. Because they're and, a small enough group and yeah, it only and attacks like, group. And then Wahlberg has to be like, oh, small enough group. Think of the vectors. Like, and we're like, oh. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't land at all. Like, that, that, oh, what they needed to do was be five people or something. You know, it like, feels like little kids playing a game and they make up like a new rule. And it is, especially because we just saw a four people in a car or something kill themselves. Right. Like, it, the, the rules don't make a lot of sense. What are you loading now? there? No, there's a line you're, you're forgetting. That's you're my cutting favorite. the other no, stuff. Nope, you absolutely are. not. You're Ab- definitely cutting absolutely it. Absolutely not. There's a line that happens here that's my favorite line in the entire film. I was trying to see if I could find it verbatim, but I can't. But they're all yelling at him. I now and think they're like, it would be better if you cut it just because it makes people wonder what the fuck we're talking about. If we mention it seven more times, yeah. I'm in favor of cutting okay. it just because okay. I think it'll be funny to not know what it is. But we have to mention it seven more times. Great. Ben, take count. Okay. That was one out of the seven no, times. we've already mentioned it a bunch of times. We Come have on. to mention it more. Um, they're all yelling at Elliot, and they're like, figure it out. What's going on? They're hearing gunshots in the distance from Frank Collison's group. And they're like, Elliot, what's going on? The winds are blowing. They're in the middle of a field. Even though Frank Collison had been like, it's probably the plants. They were like, let's go out into nature. So they're walking through the fields, right? And they're all screaming and the gunshots are going off. And Zoe Deschanel's crying. She's like, we got to help them. We're like those assholes who watch a crime happening. We can't prevent it. He's like, there's nothing to prevent. It's already this. And they're like, do something, solve something. And he's like, okay, okay. I have to treat this like a science problem. I have to create an argument. The camera's like right on his face. Right on his face. And they're like, do something. And he's like, give me a second to calm down. I got to do a science experiment. He says, give me a second, like, four times right and then he says oh come on do some science douchebag he does he says the he line does. do does. some science you douchebag yeah, he does say that that's the best line in the entire film i guess so because it's it, not like i can think of another line it feels like the one line that acknowledges that mark Wahlberg, the actor thinks that science is dorky hey you fucking science douchebag oh so that wasn't in the script you think that he he ad-libbed that yeah he was angry because he couldn't remember his lines uh mark what are you supposed to say right now i don't know do your science douchebag do some science, you douchebag. Uh, there's another line I really like, which is when they, uh, when John Leguizamo is like, my best friend and his wife who I don't trust, can you please take my daughter as I go to Princeton? Take my daughter, the one person I care about most in the world. Yeah. And so Edith Chanel's like, okay, come with me. And she holds her hand and he goes, hey, don't take my daughter's hand unless you mean it. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> it's a weird moment. He hates her so much, but it's like, but you're also going to leave her with her? But like, you want to take right, care of her and not hold her hand? I want to get back to this. I okay. get back to this. So they're in the field. No, I'm he talking. Re- yes. I'm talking. Because <laughs> I want to get back to this, and it's okay. right around this moment. Okay. There's this drama about Deschanel. Yeah. And, like, there's this rift in the marriage. Yeah. And then they're walking, and she's like, so I had to a suit with M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> like, and and I just needed to tell you that because I think we might die, and I just want to tell you I had to a suit with this guy, Joey, and nothing happened, but I, I did it. 
Yeah. And he's just like, why? Why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me this? And then he, he has some response that he makes up. He admits it's made up. I forget what it is. He says he was at a pharmacy and there oh, was yeah, a cute woman. And completely he bought, in a, like, what's the word? Cough syrup. He said no, uh, unnecessary cough completely syrup. Completely unnecessary cough syrup. Yeah. And she's like, is that true? And he's, he's like, like, was expensive. No. It was like $20. And then after that, the problem is solved. They just kind of yeah. needed to air that out. And then that's it. They still don't so seem like, happy together. They're that, not. You're reading into that to their they bad shouldn't performances. Shouldn't be married. The way the yeah. movie is structured, they they just sort of like yeah. it's just sort of he. I think maybe in his rewrites that was he was like, oh, I have this you know killer tree movie, but yeah. I, I need like a bit of an emotional spine. Right. So we'll do this thing about this marriage that's like kind of like like many of Shyamalan's movies is about a marriage that's kind of fractured, and we'll get them back together. They've also at this point dropped like four seeds about the mood ring, right? Which feels oh, like, mood ring. but it feels like in Shyamalan fashion, like that's the glass of water. Like the mood ring is somehow going to help them save yeah. the day. And then it, then like the kids want to try it. Like so, drop one is when he goes home and he's packing his bags. He reaches for the mood ring before he leaves. Drop two is when the daughter's freaking out. Like Zamo's daughter, new girl. He's like, hey, you want to see something fun? Put this on. And then he's like, oh, that color means uh, yellow. Means you're about to laugh, huh? You're gonna laugh, huh? You're gonna laugh, huh? And he keeps on saying that to her until she laughs. Then, after Frank Collison shoots himself, and he's like, we got to be a small group. Their group is now splintered off, and it's like Deschanel, Wahlberg, New Girl, and two kids, one of whom is played by Spencer Breslin. Uh, correct. Uh, the other one is played by another kid. And the two of them are like, oh, mood ring. That's cool, huh? Mood rings. Yeah, that's awesome. And he's like, oh, can I try it on? He goes, no, it has emotional value for me. Yeah. Okay, uh, where's the mood ring going? M. Night, where, what are you dropping I mean, here with it. the mood ring? And at the end of the film, he's like, remember on our first date when I gave you that mood ring? Oh, well, no. There is a, a little bit of a payoff, and I might be wrong on this, no, but I ahead. remember um, that there's a point where there's a reveal of him when he's really scared and they're separated, and it shows that it's yellow, and it's supposed to signify that he's actually scared, sure. just like the girl was scared earlier. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm, think I'm remembering right. that right. Yeah, and that's yeah. when they, yeah. Oh, come on. If you're going to put that in the movie, do more with it. Um, yeah, uh, because after the scene we just talked about, the Hayfield scene, where they, they decide to be in a small group. They go to a house. No, no, they first they come upon a farm and they see a guy run himself over with a giant lawnmower. Right, then they go to that porch. And then they go, yeah, to this porch. And they're like, let's go in can there. I, can I just say, too, how are, what, all right, some people are standing, yeah. okay, right? They show, like, the rapid-fire gunshot, they show the guy with the lawnmower, but there's, I mean... You can only kill yourself so many ways. You can, but also, yeah. it's one guy. Why is Wahlberg's thing not working yeah. on him? The logic doesn't... It, we also yeah. we, we totally skipped over Jeremy Strong, who for 15 minutes plays a nervous soldier. He essentially plays Gomer Pyle. Oh, God. Oh, my he's God. He's the brother from I forgot about the judge. that. Yeah, he's the brother from The Judge. The, the, and he plays the a nervous, like, stuttering brother. soldier... And he, like, when they're in the car with Frank Collison before they split up, he's like, oh, sir, I'm going to figure this and out. And he's a good actor. Like, he's good in the big short. Like, yeah. he can be he a can good be actor. He can be a good actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can be catastrophic if used incorrectly. <sighs> I mean, it's not his fault. It's not his fault Because th there's a scene where they're all driving in different directions and, like, they run into the army and the army's like, can't go that way. Like, I'm Private Blah. Yeah. And I went to the base and everyone was in the barbed wire and, oh, oh, you know. But I'm not exaggerating. There's, like, 12 minutes that are them yeah, he, following yeah, him, it's a lot right? Of him. And then what happens to him? He shoots himself with his gun. And that's what sets off the trigger of all the guys and then Wahlberg doing the science equations. So now we get to the porch and he's with the two kids. And the guy's like, Sensor Breslin's like knocking on the door. And he's like, come on, we got a kid, we need food. And Wahlberg's like, don't fucking do that. What are you doing? 
He's like, come on, it's a little girl. We need food. We need food. And this guy's like, get off my porch. Isn't and Spencer Breslin's like, you asshole, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. Spencer Breslin of Disney's the kid. Yeah, lick a dick. Like, he starts saying mean stuff to this old guy through the door, right? Yeah, and then he gets shotgunned in the chest. Yeah, then the guy just opens the door, creaks, sticks yeah. out a shotgun, shoots him in yeah, the chest. blows eight holes in his chest. Then his best friend is standing by the window and is like, oh shit, my friend just died. And then you see the shotgun. You see the muzzle of a gun, like the slowest. The and Wahlberg's like, no! And it's like super slow-mo. Shoots him in the back of the head. Yeah. There's a shot where you can tell he's about to get shot in the head and the kid's head's looking weird because they clearly have like- Some sort of blood pack But or then whatever. they cut before the blood pack they goes do. off. I mean, maybe- So it's just one shot of a kid it. with a deformed skull that's there clearly be, just a blood pack. There might be like a millisecond of an impact. I can't- It's like hard to tell. It sort they of cuts immediately cut. as the gun fires, yeah. basically. So now these two kids are dead. We're back to just our holy like, trinity. You wanted violence? Well, you got two <laughs> dead kids. Two yeah. child murders. And I'll admit, like, it is a little- Jarring. It's a You're little like, jarring. Oh, whoa. Okay. Okay. And it's the only real time in this movie that what you think is going to happen. People turn on thirty each other. the minutes. Thirty minutes in is yeah. Like if he's talking about the birds and invasion of the body snatchers, yeah. like paranoia movies. That's the thing you want to get. You'd think at. there'd be more of this, but there's not. Okay. But then they get to a house. There's three of them. They get there, to a house. They do get to a house. Oh, there's no electricity here. That's interesting. This house seems safe. Ooh, it's just one person. No one's coming here. Um, what a kind old lady. No, we haven't even met the lady yet. Oh, there's also that part where they go to a model home and they're really happy there. Oh, and then yeah. they're like, oh, we got to leave because other people are going to come here. So they just leave. Yeah. I mean, there is this sense of like there's a wave. So we have to keep yeah. outrunning the wave. And they do. But no, they finally, do, they are deep in the wilderness when yeah. they come to Betty Buckley's house. Yeah. And then Mark Wahlberg is looking at Betty Buckley. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's like what it is. Yeah. He's like suddenly like, oh, there is someone here. Yeah. It's Betty Buckley. Yeah. And she's sitting. She seems like a kind old lady, very quaint. She's drinking lemonade. Yeah. Her first line is, Why are you eyeing my lemon drink? That's just down homey. It's weird. And he's like, oh, I got a girl. We need some place to And sit. she's basically like, oh, well, I suppose I'll let you. I'll, that's the thing to yeah. do, I guess. Yeah, so let you in for dinner. So they she have hasn't dinner. heard the news because she like doesn't have a radio. I don't care about the world because they don't care about me is what she says. She's a woman who- this is, We should say Betty Buckley. She's a famous stage actress. Yeah. She won a Tony, I think. You know, she'd been in like many a musical. She's a famous, famous Broadway dame. She's a, playing a character with some combination of um, a past trauma that has um, you know, scared her, her off of the world and severe mental illness, I was going to say. Because the second thing. there's this thing. Right. What is that? Well, you're jumping ahead. So they have dinner. They're talking about everything. She's like, I don't care about the world, uh, but I guess I can let you stay for the night. And it's like, okay, nice lady. And then a new girl reaches for like a saucer of tea. And Betty Buckley like hits her hand down full force. Is like, don't touch things that don't belong to you. And they're like, ooh, maybe red flag. They go up to their room. They're like, okay, everything's fine. Wahlberg and Deschanel are whispering. And they're like, I mean, look, she seems a little crazy, but this house is in the middle of nowhere. We're safe. And Betty Buckley shows up in the doorframe and is like, "Why are you whispering about me?" And yes, they're like, she is. "Calm down, lady. It's fine. We're just we're just whispering. Whatever." Um, they sleep, right? I guess so. The next morning, Mark Wahlberg looks for her. He goes into her bedroom. It's a lot of Jesus paintings. Mm. He looks in the bed. He's like, "Mrs. Fields or whatever her name is." He's like, "Miss Mrs. Mrs. Buckley." Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones. Then he looks down, and there's the creepiest doll in the world lying above the covers the on a bed. creepiest life-size doll you've ever seen. The number one creepiest doll it I've ever seen. It almost looks like a woman lying on a bed wearing, like, some sort of, like, fake mask. 
I would say it looks like, like the eyes look submerged, like you know, like they like they were only sure behind something. I would say it looks like the uh, wooden version of like a real doll, like a sex doll. Sure, and like almost is looking. Uh, it almost seems to be making eye contact with the camera, like it's like trapped. And you're like, okay, where the fuck? And M. you're Knight, just like, what is going on? What's going on now? What's he setting up? And Betty Buckley just goes like, what are you doing here? Don't sell my things. Get out of my house. And then that's just done. And then she just gets the toxin and kills herself. Yeah. But why she? What her deal was? Why she had a doll on know. the bed? We None know. of that's clear. Now she did mention during dinner that they used to use the house to store slaves to to hide them out to get like an underground so railroad underground thing. Railroad thing. Okay. So they had a cabin that they had connected to the house, and there's some sort of tunnel. Yeah, you can use to talk to people through the tube. Yeah. So even though the house is across the field, you you can. It's You're, like they're at just this point, there. I'm zoning out, but I'm like, oh, I guess this is gonna matter. Like, because there's no way they'd tell us all this shit. So Wahlberg's freaking out. Yeah. She's smashing her head through the window because she is the toxin. The air's coming through. The wind's a-blowing. And Wahlberg's like, I gotta find, hey, Alma, Jess, Alma, Jess. And he can't find them. And he freaks out. He, like, closes himself in a bathroom and he locks the door, right? And then Because he... she's being responsible by taking the kid out of the house and, like, wandering around outside. Well, and... He doesn't know that until this moment. Yeah, but why would she even do that? Because she's an idiot. Ugh. Movie. Here's giggling, looks over there in the barn where the slaves used to be. He has a direct pipeline to them. He starts talking to them and is like, "I'm sorry." Yeah, Zoe and, and the girl are in one side. Yeah, he's re- in the other. Remember, remember the mood ring. Oh, I got the mood ring. I oh. mean, at this point, you're just like, just die already. Like you're, you're. I'm, I'm so out on this. You movie had blue. I thought it meant love, but it actually meant horny. And then they're like crying and laughing together. And he was like, "No, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die with in my you. wife's arms." Right. So he gets out of the house and starts walking towards her, even though the winds are blowing. Right. Right. And she, I think she also comes to him. With the girl. He's like, hey, little girl, well, do you want to commit suicide it's with over. me? Come on, it's over. They don't know that, nah, though. It's over. They don't know that because 30 seconds earlier, Mrs. Jones had walked out and he was like, it can affect one person. It's gotten so specific it can yeah, kill right, one person. Course. That happened just like within minutes. He was like, it's evolved. It can hit one person now. It doesn't have Makes to be no a Makes no sense, by the way. Makes no sense. Makes it's no already sense. killed one person. Yeah. Plenty of times. Yeah. We saw that. Right. We saw that. Yeah. We saw it. But then they walk out, and they're both— Oh, and guess what? It's fine. They're fine. They're fine, and they just hug, and it's Great. over for no clear reason. Great. Love conquers all. Uh, yeah, they're fine, and then we see a TV report where it's like a scientist being like, well, it's like a red tide in an ocean where it's like it happens, like a, and then it stops, and it's like a warning. It you happening, know? yeah. <laughs> and uh could happen again. Yeah. Oh, who knows? And then we cut to, like, there now. She's got, like, a baby on the way. Yeah. They're like happy. Jess is now like an adopted daughter. Yeah. And she's going to school. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is teaching about science. And then we cut to the Tuileries in Paris. Yeah. And I think, does everyone sort of freeze for a second? Yes. Yeah. Great. Oh. Great. I'm nice. Dun, dun, dun. The, the rehappening. It's what, such a what shrug. What are trying to do? Yeah. The whole movie feels like him just, it feels very cynical. It feels this like him not playing to the top of movie. intelligence. Yeah. This should be his signs, like a, right. another signs where it's like, oh, you may, but he'd used all his tricks maybe. I'm not sure why this But when is he such said like, I'm just trying to make the best B movie ever, it feels to me like him being like, I'm just going to try to make some stupid movie that you people like. Well, he's making a thriller. But his mistake is like, oh, did you want like a little bit of gory violence? Okay. Give you a little. It's not much. Do you want me to double down on that like broken marriage thing I made in all my other movies but cast two people who never should have been married in the first place? 
Here's my question, though. Who is he asking? I know these are rhetorical questions. Yeah. Does M. Night have, like, industry friends or, like, I, I kind of feel like, does. I don't he know, for whatever his... reason, he strikes me as this guy who's just on his own fucking island. And yeah, he's I think, just, I mean, he's in Philly. He's not in Hollywood. He's just, like, very yeah. much just lost it, it, by, it, like, reading into this film. Like, what is this? And this what film also, I mean, this is the start of his movies feeling very first draft, right? Yeah. I mean, Lady yeah. in the Water 2 feels like he had an idea. He didn't do the work. Well, like, he didn't do also, the work to make it fit together to late, really hit Lady your Lady in the Water is him still having so much power that he can just write a thing and just not right. have an editor. Yeah. Now this he apparently rewrote. Which makes no sense because yeah. the script still feels like a first draft to me. And I wonder what the changes that people wanted were. I, I also think, think that he, my guess would be that he spliced in this sort of, this more emotional story. Like, that, you know, the first yeah. thing was the green attack thing. But I almost feel like I'd rather the movie that doesn't have the emotional story where it's like, establish a group. Like, don't make it centered around one think... character. Make it like the blob and make yeah. it like, here are 20 yeah. people and they're just well, on the run. Or, and it's like a make, zombie well, movie. Well, then, like, yeah. one by like, one, they're the, dying the off. The blob's a good example. The fog is a great example. Yeah. But you know what the fog does? And sad. Yeah. And like, and has a lot of that sort of paranoia, like people pointing guns at each other, people turning on each other. I think this movie needs to end sad. I think it needs to have people turning on each other from the beginning. I think it needs to be about how we've brought this upon ourselves. This movie and needs I also to end think with everybody on Earth dead. Yeah, and then just like fucking wind blowing through the trees. But the way right? to set up this yeah. movie is get give us twelve fun characters at the beginning, have them all cross paths, and then one by one watch them die. Now I want to say something. Yeah, I want to quote. The Poet Laureate's own words. Oh, my God. The text that we received? The text that I received at, uh, well, I think it was on a Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from Benjamin Hosley. Oh. Is your full name Benjamin? I actually have no idea. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. Um, James? Ben James Hosley? This is at McCormick. Oh, fuck. I always get that wrong. 4.53 p.m. Uh-huh. on March 8th. Oh, just a March afternoon. Okay, weird thing. The happening was kind of fun. Yeah. All right. So do you want? You want? Yeah. All right. Dun 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 dun. dun. So <clears throat> now maybe of... just low expectations. Yeah. Yeah. For, okay. sure. for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And like, there, I mean, there are elements of it that, uh, you know, the campy elements we've kind of already pointed out. Mm-hmm. But like, I'll say honestly, what I really liked about this movie and like, like had some redemption for me was the kind of video art uh, 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 moments of this film. Like, and I say video art in the sense of like, it was kind of uh, uh, striking to mm-hmm. see the people the, freezing, the people yeah. freezing and really walking good. backwards. Yeah. That shit is really And I like that yeah, scene. That... I think it's the one in uh, the final scene in France, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, they keep repeating the line. That's cool. It's a cool yeah. thing. Like, yeah. And so like even like with David's point of like the movie should have ended with the whole world dying and just like tumbleweed like sure. I almost yeah. kind of would have loved to see this like uh in a like very artsy tree oh like his tree of life. Yeah. You know? Sure. But uh or, or, yeah, I kind of th- I don't know, fuck it. I like it. Or look, maybe I'm that okay. maybe that is the right way to do it. Like I I think look, we in like 13 sentences just fixed the entire movie. Like we threw out the like the 12 things you would need to do right. in order to make this movie work as like more successfully as a thriller, as an emotional story, all these things, right? Yeah. But I I also think like the ending it has to be is everyone dying yeah. because there's no way they can beat the happening. And if the happening just stops, it feels like, well, fuck you. Why did it stop? Yeah. I mean, which, to be fair, the War of the Worlds has the same thing, where it's just kind of like- And it pisses me off in War of the Worlds. Well, I like War, War of the Worlds a Worlds, lot more, yeah. but, but I don't like when that happens. Um, in, in, in War of the Worlds, there's at least a suggestion 
of like why you know they, they get yeah. sick and this is just like well it stopped but it could come back or the world it's also ah. aliens like it's easier yeah. to stop a, a force that has a brain you know um, um but yeah. i but i also think that uh the way he could have ended this movie was everyone fucking dies in america and then you cut to france and that france ending actually has some like weight to it because it's like okay it's gonna go country by country rather than just being like here's another place like it felt like systematically it, yeah. America's done and now every other country has their shot to like fight this thing. I think that would kind of be a cool ending. It could be. I think the beginning's great. I think the ending is okay with a different middle. Yeah. And I think everything that happens in between the second scene and the last scene. Once Wahlberg appears. Yeah. Yeah. But then you've got fucking moments where uh uh uh, Mark Wahlberg's talking to the plant. Oh, I do. Oh, Remember? that's we actually talk not about a bad scene. scene. Dude, I forgot, forgot about the scene. It's when highly they, entertaining. I believe it's when they go into the model home. Yes. He walks up to a plant and he starts being like, okay, like we don't mean you any harm. We're a small group, you know? And then he realizes it's a plastic plant because this is a model home. Yeah. And then. He's like, what am I doing? Talking to a plastic plant? Still doing it. Yeah. Um, good scene. Now, it's really good. But also funny and using Wahlberg's kind of silly delivery, like, you know, to its advantage, but doesn't help when you've already been amused by Wahlberg's silly delivery well, for an a, hour. It's subversive. Yeah. It's like yeah. just being kind of- Right. It's just a little lighter. A little, like, humor moment. But in science, he kills it with that. Like, he's constantly cutting the tension with, like, Gibson and, and, and the walk, like, goofing off, right? Yeah. And it feels like these are two actors who have enough control of, like, tone- as performers, mm -hmm. that they're able to like make it tense and then cut that tension with like a fake out that actually is funny, and the audience is laughing and screaming in equal measures. In this movie that already feels laughable, when that scene starts, it isn't until the last line that you realize, oh, this is meant to be funny. Like this is meant to be a joke because the opening part of him reasoning with a plant until you get to the plastic reveal feels like, I guess this is where that movie's going. Like this is just that movie now wants to have a dude talk to a plant one-on-one, -on -one, and maybe that's the next 20 minutes is, like, Wahlberg negotiating with fauna by fauna, <laughs> you know? All right, I thought about it. I will, this is what I'll say to speak to my point or my text. And I guess the one thing I really liked about this is I was like, this was a cool thing that he thought of one day. Sure. And he <laughs> went about trying to make it happen, and I kind of see some glimpse of maybe the better moments of that, but yeah. it's mostly just shit. I'll say, I mean, I, I watched this movie while cleaning my apartment. I, I was, you know, it, I don't think it's good, but it didn't anger me. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not like Lady in the Water where you're baffled and confused and frustrated. Right, and you're just sort of like crying. Oh, come on. Yeah, this is just a, kind of a shitty movie. It's like a two-star movie. <laughs> it feels like <laughs> such a fart. Yeah, it's a bit of a fart. <laughs> it's a windy fart. It's a windy fart through I the mean, leaves. It, it's because, but think about it. He had made, this is his third Flop in a row. Now yeah. I'm not obviously. I don't think the village is a flop, but by different by by some uh, standards, the it common was. consensus was yeah. And so he made a movie that was a twist movie that had gotten everyone mad. Yeah. Then he made the lady in the water. How do you put that in a box? You right. can't. You can't. But he put he made that and lady it, in the water happened. Yeah. And then he makes this. Yeah. And according to like Hollywood logic, this should be the movie that kind of gets him back on track. Yeah. That at least makes enough money and like kind of is just like... And 30 million opening wasn't bad, but then it ended up, I think, in the 50s. It didn't even double its opening weekend. Wait, let me find it. I uh, think at most it did 60 total, but it was like a thing where... Here's what I think. I think if you look it up... It ended with 64. 64. Okay. Can you Not do bad. me a favor? You're on Mojo. It made it 163 worldwide. Fine. 
Can you go to Daily Box Office? I believe it made a disproportionate amount of its uh, box office on the first day. Made thirteen million on Friday, which is pretty good. Second day, uh, ten. Okay. Third day, seven. The drop's already happening. It is now. Now, usually, uh, it's Friday. Saturday, no, Saturday is bigger. Is, uh, bigger, and then Sunday is a drop from both. That's, right. That's typical. I believe the classic box office multiplier is ten of your opening day. Yes. But uh, so obviously the Sunder did that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're and- keeping those numbers in though, correct? Uh, yeah, but we're not. We're going to cut out the other bullshit. Okay. Oh, okay. I right. agree, but we're not going to tell people what. That what we're gonna keep in all the mentions of cutting it out. Yeah, yeah but yeah. not the initial thing that great, he did. that sucks. So we're gonna cut out the two things I said, but not explain to anyone what they were. Uh, okay, all right. I think but I... let them know that they weren't offensive. No, right? They were just boring. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like when you did that horrible Asian accent uh, no. last week, which you did not cut out. I kept that in no. per my request. And, you and, uh, you and I should in have fact cut it out. I sent more audio to Ben, <laughs> and he dropped it into the podcast. He put more of it in. True. No, I, no, I'm sorry. I'm overstating. Uh, classically, it is a, a 3.0 is your classic multiplier of your Friday. So it did about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a hard drop. Um, and um, and I also think, I mean, look, I was I was angry seeing it in theaters because at this point in time, I was still an M Night fan. You know, I I felt like burned, but I was still a fan. And there was this like yeah, but the second weekend's a 66 percent drop off. Right. So not great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, at this point, would still go into the theater and be like, maybe he makes another Sixth Sense. Do you know what I'm saying? And now I watch it and I know it isn't the Sixth Sense, and right. I was just kind of like, fine, whatever. Yeah, no, it's it's not a letdown. It's short. It's his shortest movie. It's an hour and a half. Tight 90. Uh, and, uh, you know, apart from some, like, brief gory violence, like, there's not a lot that really stays with you. No, but those couple of images are really good. They it's are. It's frustrating that they're in the wrong movie. Well, you know, or he didn't build the right movie around them. But when you yeah. compare this movie to like The Sixth Sense, which is yeah. so beautifully composed. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I mean, also a great concept. Uh and I think good he's concept. like you're seeing this again. Like I think this is a solid concept. I agree for too. A film. I think there's a really good movie in this. And totally. I think there's scenes where he gets at it. I think the idea is great and I think we pretty much like explained all the different ways he could have made it work, and it's like he made the one wrong decision every step of the way. Yep. Um, yeah. So now I don't I'm like to casting. Talk, I don't like to talk about the Golden Raspberries. Yeah. But it is. This is like the Lady in the Water. He had one best, worst director and worst supporting actor. Okay. Cool. And we admit they're a stupid organization. I don't like the Golden yeah. Raspberries. I think they're just a little too. But whatever. It doesn't. You know. Like yeah. you know. They they do tend to be a measure of what was press wise like seen as like the big bombs of the year. Mm-hmm. Now he doesn't win worst picture director, you know, like okay. because the love guru came out that year. Oh boy. And that's that's the Razzie uh yeah. which is talk about a blank check movie. The yeah, Love Guru. We might have to do an episode on the Have you ever seen The Love Guru? I have not. I have uh, not either. I've never seen uh, it. I I revere A.O. Scott's review of it in the New York Times as like one of the best reviews of a bad <laughs> I film to I've ever that. seen. Yeah. It's an incredibly bad. Great you know, review of a his bad review movie. of the first Thor is incredible too. Yeah, yeah no, he's a great writer. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you know, but still, like this is his second movie in the row that is prominent at the Golden Raspberries. Yes. and yeah, you know, it covers its budget. It's not a flop, flop like the Lady in the yeah. Water, but not great. So the next one's got to be good, right? And this is when people start talking about him for Life of Pi. He wanted to make Life of Pi. That's really when that badly. was floating around. He had he had and signed he on. Have made a, it. He had signed on a couple years earlier than that. I believe he signed on for Life of Pi. But it was 2004. Always, but it was nebulous. It was, it was bubbling. Far off. Like oh, yes. maybe he'll make because it's like here's a movie about religion. Yeah, about with, with, an, with an Indian protagonist. Yes. 
like He's the one with a lot of Indian magical director. realism yeah. that, that right. with a lot of technical sort of aspects. Yep. Like surely this will be the movie that Shyamalan sort of bounces back with. Yeah. Of course, he never ends up making it. Yep. Instead, his next project is a huge budget CGI fiasco that we will get to. Uh, yes, one hundred fifty million dollar. I'll be our episode next week. I have locked in our guest. We have a time. He is undoubtedly going to be on the show. Uh, comedian and actor Seton Smith. Absolutely, is going to be our guest on. Our episode of uh, covering the last Airbender. Ben, what do you have to say? Oh, I just feel bad for Seton, but he's a good sport that he's watching this movie. Seton's a great guy, and let's say this: uh, we're three... not we're not big uh, Avatar fans. It's based on the cartoon Avatar: uh, The Last Airbender. They had to change series. the title because it came out right, right after, after Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. Uh, Seton is a, a big fan of the cartoon. So show. he's going to kind of oh, represent that cool. exact faction. I have yes. seen uh, I've seen Avatar, a and I yeah. I think it's terrific. I just never yeah. committed. It's like you know you got to watch Avatar. Yeah. So Seton has agreed to come in because much like the lore. He wants to speak for the Airbenders. But we you know, talk, you he know, wants to defend. I mean, he's a classic blank check guy. Yeah. Someone, because it's like what I'm. The point I'm trying to make is like swing and a miss. He gets Another Lady one. in the Water. Yeah. Swing and a miss, like huge one. Swing yeah. and a miss, and he throws the bat into the face of the manager. He gets another one. Swing and a miss. What do they give him? A hundred and fifty million dollar, like. Great piece of intellectual property. A temple. Like, make it, us a temple. This is his first adaptation of another person's material. First adaptation of something that's hugely popular. It's a kid's movie. And Let him I work mean, in I, that Spielberg vein. I've never seen The Last Bearbender, and I know we're going to talk about it last week, but it is crazy that they gave him that movie. Yeah. And that he blew it so hard, not only in the making of the film, yeah. but like in the casting. Everything. To the, to the point that like it is like symbolic of everything wrong with Hollywood's approach. Agreed. And we'll talk about race. all of that. Next week. We will. It's uh, crazy. I'd though. like to throw another episode that I pitched right before we started here. Uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, which none of us are excited for, but I think we all agree looks like a real blank check movie in a lot of ways, uh, is coming out uh, at the end of this month and has been announced that the, in uh, New York City, they're going to open at the Union Square Theater a, a screen uh, with a new uh, Korean technology called 4DX, where during the movie... It's not only in 3D, but they rumble your seat and they shoot fog, rain, lightning, and and smells. I don't think they shoot lightning at you. It says they're lightning effects. Oh, so it's like in the theater, uh, flashing. Right. Or, there's like, like lightning, fog, rain, wind, smells, and vibrations. And I believe we're gonna go. The three of us, the two friends, and Ben, <laughs> who is our friend, are going to go see Dawn of Justice in in that technology. That's the current plan. Uh yeah, let's do it and review both the movie and and 4DX, which sounds like I don't know, I mean it sounds uh, stupid future movies. Oh, I want to smell my movies. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we uh <laughs> we might uh we might do that. Yeah. Um. So that's been yeah. And wait, what were the, what was the other blank check movie we were just talking? about? Oh, the Love Guru. Right? The Love Guru. We'll do the Love Guru sometime in the future. We also still have to do Hulk and the Hulk. That's on the horizon. Yeah, there's a lot of things we got to do. Look, we'll keep doing them. Yeah, and, and well, uh, you know what? Let's announce this because you you posted. On I posted Twitter. on Twitter. Yeah, and, uh, and it's topical news, now. Yeah. Breaking news. Uh, our next because we're we're nearing the end of Shyamalan. We got a bonus episode or two after we're done with uh, the visit, which is his last film. We only have three films. We have left three to go. films left, so we're not almost done with Shyamalan, but hopefully we'll In a month. knock it out yeah. pretty soon. Right. Um. But our next main series is going to be the Wachowskis. Yeah, we're going to do the films of the Wachowskis. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a little different from this because I love every single film that the Wachowskis have ever made. Uh, I love most of them. But I, I do think it's like, it's this one's been more of a critical 
Yeah. It's hard not to be critical of M. Yeah. Night Shyamalan, of course, but I feel like a lot of people are critical of the Wachowskis, but I'm going to be. I'm no, both be of us are boom, big defenders, you know, up, and yeah. I think we're going to be trying to figure out why they never connected with audiences again. Sure. But in our minds, they they're, they've too. been doing good work. They and, made one uh, movie that was this big cultural phenomenon, and then they never hit into that zeitgeist again, but I think all their films are interesting at the least well, and great at the best. All their films are fascinating. Yeah. Could I say this? Uh, do you at least uh, give them credit for always going big? Oh, they oh, go big. Do they go big? They go Hell big. Yes, yeah. they do. You know what the happening should have had? Like a big tree. <laughs> yeah. It's all these little fucking trees and blades of grass and plants. And if stuff. they started growing? Yeah. Yeah, and they started getting really big and making humans feel like they're smaller than them. And then they start singing numbers from Little Shop of Horrors? Yeah, that's a fucking cool movie. Uh, can I throw something out? You know who I think would have been good in the Mark Wahlberg role? Tobey Maguire. Uh, yeah, he... I, I think that good Tobey Maguire would have been good. It's yeah. just, we're so far from that now. No, he doesn't even do movies There have been so many bad Tobey Maguire performances. Yeah. And and his Great Gatsby performance is so, like, he look, him looking at the camera and kind yep. of making faces. Yep. And, like, that's what I'm just imagining, him in The Happening. Uh, well, I think this is the end of this episode because we're now just uh, hanging out on microphone. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just hang out for a bit longer, but yeah. uh, we don't need to do it on mic. We can stop recording. Uh, thank you all for listening. But we are going to cut out all that stuff that you said, so we it will be a little shorter. Yes, that's than true. What we so we're going to cut, like, that's like 45 minutes. We're going to cut out all that bullshit. I think it's yeah. like 45 minutes we can remove. Right, and let's make right, it clear right. once again that nothing I said was problematic. It was just no. deeply boring. No. Yep. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Please uh, send us your theories about what I said during the missing chunk of this episode. Hashtag the missing chunk. Ah, hashtag the missing chunk. Please tweet at us. Uh, send us your burger reports to the two friends. Uh, blank check pod on Twitter. Uh, blank check podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> We're in such a weird mood today. We are in an odd mood. I'm like a balloon that all the air has been let what's, out of. Like I've been so tense for three weeks and now I just have nothing left because I've been running on only anxiety. You're good. I'm great. I'm feeling happy. You're I good. Just, I just, anxiety's been my battery for so long that I don't know what to do now. Um, uh, please keep listening, rate, review, subscribe to not only our podcast, but other podcasts on the UCB Comedy Network. Thank you. Anytime. Uh, and yeah, next week, Last Airbender with Seton Smith, the great comedian who is here to defend uh, the cartoon show and explain why the film was a poor adaptation of a great piece of source material. Mm-hmm. And so as, look forward to that. And as always, <gasps> keep smelling your movies. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. 